I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Samwise Gamgee and Frodo Baggins to my Gollum, JC and Joel. JC, your triumphant return. Welcome back. Yay. You were missed. How was your vacation? It was very good. It was very good. I'm happy to be back. I missed you too, uh, but I am uh, happy I went. It was a very enjoyable vacation. I rode some waves. Not like a... No, no. Surfing? So, no, I'm not a surfer. I'm a bodyboarder. Okay. So it was ride the waves as in like I put my floppy stomach over <laughs> the bodyboard and laid there and just baked in the sun. I was riding. So I, I did see a picture of you and the boy making sandcastles. I, I spent a lot of time in the sand. The boy did not... Last year, the boy really liked the water. This year, not so much. No? I mean, I still got him to go in. He sort of like... We rolled over the waves a little bit. He took one in the back of the head, not in the face. He oh, took it in geez. the back of the head. That's a scary one, though. decided... Well, no. Like, he took it in the back of the head, but it was, again, a rolly wave. It wasn't even a white cap. Oh. Like, <laughs> it just hit him in the back of the head, and yeah. he got a little wet, and he decided, no, waves are horrible. I'm like, wow, dude. Like, <laughs> that was that was That was nothing. <laughs> that was... I almost wanted to be like, toughen up, kid. No. But I figured he's still too young for that speech, so yeah. well, I'll give him that. So, yeah, we spent most of our time on it, not on the sand and in the sand, I guess. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Joel? What's up? How you been? I've been good. <laughs> you're, you're Ben? <coughs> Sorry, I was trying to hold back a cough. Do I'm I have feeling to better. You're feeling better. That's a plus. Yes. Do I have to call you Ben now? If you want. <laughs> oh. It's like, it's like uh, um, why am I suddenly drawing a blank on the guy's name? Just, just like, like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, sh- What the hell? Uh, Vader's uh, master, Obi-Wan. Obi- Instead of calling you Obi-Wan, I'm going to call you Ben. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, that was a long way around to that one. I have answered to worse. <laughs> I, I'll say that. I'm out of practice. I'm, I'm not used to thinking fast. You'll get back in the swing of things in no time. And strike out beautifully. This week, we're <laughs> continuing our franchise review of the Tolkien saga, which encompasses the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now, just a reminder to our listeners, we discussed this ahead of time, and we will be grading these as one complete franchise and not two separate trilogies. This week, we'll be talking about the 2002 epic fantasy, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, discussing its role in the saga, and in an hour or two, or an hour or so. How about that? Just so. We will analyze it, grade it, and either induct it or exclude it. <clears throat> so far, we have not inducted a- any of the single films yet. No. But I did the math ahead of time. So far, this franchise is making the Pantheon. It, so far, it has a B average on the nose. Woohoo. Beverage. It's, so it's. Maybe on its way. Maybe. Beverage. Beverage. We're, we're on our way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll also be playing a game of Did the Awards Get It Right, as well as a new segment called Top 3, Bottom 3, where we highlight the best things in the film and rip to shreds the worst things in the film. Download that us like on a lot of bottoms, like we just look at three asses, like back to back. <laughs> yep, exactly what that is. Okay, I feel like that's not allowed because it's just going to get beeped out. Well, the list. <laughs> I feel like I'm unprepared because I could have put up a lineup of ass up here. The, the listeners won't get the full effect, but <laughs> I feel like that's a visual game. We will know. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. Download us on iTunes and Stitcher, and like us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, we're on Stitcher now. What the hell, is Stitcher? It's, I, the, it's the number two podcasting network outside of iTunes. It's actually oh. on my car dashboard, so yeah. it's like it says. Uh, Pandora, I Stitcher. That was a that was a great like uh, promotion. There, I'm like, what the hell's that? What are mm-hmm. we on? <laughs> we are on iTunes and Stitcher now. Yep. Uh, also Podbean. But let's get started. This week we are talking about 2002's The Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, a movie made for 94 million dollars that raked in 926 million dollars. It. it couldn't do 20 more million and just have like the nice like straight. Sorry. Round math. Nope. Number. Nope. They. <laughs> 
Bla- blame the public. Where was the other 20 million, guys? Where were the viewers? So New Line Cinema and Wingnut Films are pretty happy about that. Oh. <laughs> Wingnut. I love that. Directed by Peter Jackson. Screenplay from Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyens, and Peter Jackson. Adapted from the J.R.R. Tolkien's novel, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. No, The Two Towers. <laughs> I didn't write that properly. <laughs> Boo. Uh, the theatrical version of the film is 179 minutes, which is two hours and 59 minutes. And if you thought that was long, the extended version is three hours and 55 minutes long. It three, is. And according to JC, it's actually three hours and 55 minutes of joy. It is good. Uh, starring Elijah Wood as Frodo, Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn, Sean Astin as Sam, Ian McKellen as Gandalf, Billy Boyd as Pippin, Dominic Monaghan as Mary, John Reese davies as Gimli, and the voice of Treebird. Treebird? Treebird? Treebird! Play it again! Did, did he visit China as well? <laughs> Orlando Bloom as Legolas, and who remembers what Legolas' last name is? I don't. Greenleaf. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Bernard, Bernard Hill, Hill as Theoden, Christopher Lee as Saruman, Hugo Weaving as Elrond, Liv Tyler as Arwen, Miranda Otto as the other woman, I mean Eowyn, <laughs> David Wenham as Faramir, Brad Dourif as Grimo Wormtongue, the best Alfred ever, Carl Urban as Eomer, Kate Blanchett as Galadriel, and Andy Serkis as the coolest motion capture creature ever put to film before Caesar from Planet of the Apes movies, which he also did, Gollum. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, according to our good people at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato rating of 96%. This is interesting because it has the highest tomato meter rating of all the Middle Earth films, but when you dive deep into the actual critic score, which is the average rating from the critics, it comes in second place with an 8.5 out of 10. The only movie where the higher critic rating is Return of the King, which we'll do next week. So it has a higher tomato meter, but a lower critic score. And if you don't know what that means, please listen to our earlier podcast because we don't <laughs> want to defeat, describe it again. The audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a 4.1 out of 5, so an 82%. Now, a little background information about the making of this film. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. JC, we really delved in the last show about how the Fellowship of the Ring came to fruition, and a lot of it can apply to both this movie and the next because they were all made at the same time. So, do you have any interesting tidbits specifically for this movie that our listeners can learn about from you, the king of Middle-earth? Well, I may turn in my crown and just call myself like a, a duke or a duchess. D- duke of a, a duckess. Can I be a duckess? You can be a duckass. I'm a duckess of, uh, of Middle-earth. <laughs> Really, one of the things that I want to point out that Lord of the Rings did in their appendices was they strictly followed a format. When I describe the Hobbit appendices, they actually kind of change. Like, if you watch all three all three sets of appendices for all three films, they're different. If you watch the three sets of appendices for Lord of the Rings, they're the exact same. Like, same order, same format. So, um, ironically, uh, even though I missed last week, which... Whenever I actually bought the DVDs, I bought Two Towers first, so I think it's funny that I'm doing the very first podcast is Two Towers, and it was the very first movie I owned. I owned Two Towers before I owned Fellowship, so I just thought that was funny. Welcome home. Um, but as I describe like this format, it was the same for the first movie, and it'll be the exact same for Return of the King. They don't change it. All the changes is the details depending on which movie they're covering. So this is Appendix Appendix, <laughs> appendix nice. 3, The Journey Continues. Uh, the first segment is called J.R.R. Tolkien, The Legacy of Middle-Earth. And this is a continuation of the first 
uh, Legacy of Middle Earth J.R.R. Tolkien segment in Fellowship of the Ring of his history. So essentially, they recorded a long documentary of J.R.R. Tolkien's history, and it's really good. They they talk about everything, why he wrote it, his family, his experiences. It is very long. If you take the part from the Fellowship to the Two Towers and Return of the King and put it together, it's like almost a two-hour documentary. Yeah. And essentially what they did is they made a documentary and cut it up into three parts. That's really all they did. So this is the second part of that documentary. Then the next group or the next uh, feature is called From Book to Script, Finding the Story. Again, this was the same in Fellowship, but this time they go through the book, Two Towers, and what they do is they actually go through the book and they say, so this happened in the book, this is why we did it in the film, or this happened in the book and this is why we didn't put it in the film. And that's literally all that segment is about is going through the actual book. And the screenwriters say, this is what worked, this is what wouldn't have worked for the movie, and why we didn't put it in. And, and, what, and I remember one of the problems that people had <clears throat> with these three movies was that the book is so dense, you can't fit everything in the movies. Like Tom Bombadil. Like it, right. That's not with this one, but in the Fellowship of the Rings. During this segment, there is a 10-minute discussion on why they cut out Tom Bombadil, and mm -hmm. it pretty much is summed up in that... Uh, Peter Jackson looks at it as, we didn't tell his story, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. We just catch up with them later, so the Hobbits very well could have met Tom Bombadil. Really? I just it doesn't really affect what happens in the exactly. story. Exactly. So. We just didn't have time to show that on screen. Uh, the next segment was called Designing and Building Middle Earth, literally building the sets for the two towers, uh, all of the sets that were needed for that movie. And then there is an entire feature, and the feature is literally just titled Gollum. It's <laughs> it's everything from how they found Andy Serkis to how they developed, I mean, literally developed and invented and created yeah. mocap and all of that. So I'm sure Joe will want to see that at some point. But literally everything you could want to know or need to know about how and why they did Gollum is in that segment. And it's a very long segment. Uh, the next feature is called Middle Earth Atlas. Uh, it looks at the areas of Middle-earth that were covered in this movie specifically. So we look at areas like Rohan, Orthanc, uh, Minas... Uh, Minas Tirith? No, not Minas Tirith. What's Morgul. the... Morgul. Minas uh, Morgul, right? Why am I drawing a blank? It's the it's the town right on the river that Faramir is defending. I thought it was Minas Morgul. No. No, that's the... Minas Morgul is where the the Witch King lives, the Witch King of Angmar. Crap. I have no idea. No. But anyway, there, that Minas yeah, place. Yeah, there, there is a town right on the river that, oh, man, it's where Faramir is located, but, like, they talk about that location and uh, the Edoras Hall and all of that stuff. Then the next feature is called New Zealand is Middle Earth, and you can actually visit the places. So where they shot Rohan, you can see it, where they shot the Shire, all of that, Helm's Deep, all of it. And that's it for Appendix 3. Okay. Appendix 4, The Battle for Middle-Earth Begins. Uh, there's a feature called Warriors of the Third Age, and it's just behind the scenes of the Two Tower. It's an hour and a half, hour and 45-minute feature just on behind the scenes. Okay. Cameras in Middle-Earth, uh, it's how they actually shot Two Towers, so different things. And one of the cool things that they did, well, we'll talk about here, they actually gave a camera at one point to Viggo Mortensen, and uh, this was, the, of course, the movie where they did all of those running shots where he had three hurt runners. Viggo Mortensen had broken his toe. Uh, Orlando Bloom had pulled his <laughs> his uh, hamstring. And Gimli's double, uh, who I'm drawing a blank on his name. Usain Rank Bolt? <laughs> no. <laughs> 
uh, wrenched his knee. So all three of them were like not in running con- condition. And so they have to go do all of this running, which was Peter Jackson's favorite thing to film. Well, Vigo Mortensen had the bright idea of going out and camping on site. And he did. He paid for like fish and steaks and all this stuff. He built a campfire, cooked for the crew and everybody else. And the thing was, they only needed three people for the scene. And everybody just wanted to hang out with Vigo that almost, I think they said 10 to 12 different cast members (laughs) came out and just (laughs) camped out. And what they did was they camped out and hung out all night so they could get the shot the next day of that sun. So when you see that in two towers where they're rising and they're rising against the sun rising, that was Vigo Mortensen's idea. He's the one that came up with that and actually shot it. That's pretty cool. It's a good thing that they hired him because remember, he wasn't the first guy hired. It was Townsend. He was was a replacement (laughs) guy. Um, There's a next feature called Bigatures, which is a look at the giant models they used in the film and how they were built. Uh, then there's an entire feature called Weta Digital, and it's where Richard Taylor walks. Richard Taylor, the head of Weta, walks you through how and why they made the Rohan armor, the art weapons, as well as the armor and weapons of the Urukai. Then there's a feature called Editorial, refining the story. It's another look at what was filmed versus what was in the books. Then there's a feature called Music for Middle Earth, a behind-the-scenes look at the music of the two towers, the soundscapes of Middle Earth. They Watch how they come up with the sound design for the movie. And then there was a feature looking ahead to Return of the King. Then also on the DVD was a bunch of galleries uh, where you could see pictures and drawings of concepts, abandoned concepts. They had a slimed Balrog at one point. They weren't going to do a fiery one. So you could see like some things that didn't make the cut and more miniatures. <laughs> and then... This uh, next thing that I'm going to do isn't on the DVDs, but I just chose to do it. And it's extended versus theatrical. I did this with uh, The Hobbit. And I'm just going to go real quick through scenes. And I'm going to tell you if it was a new scene uh, on the extended edition or if it was an extended scene. So these are all things that were not in the theatrical. In other words, Joe has never seen them. (laughs) Very true. All right, the first one was called Elven Rope. It's a new scene showing Sam using Elven Rope to climb down in the Misty Mountains. Then there's the Taming of Smeagol, which was in there, but it's extended. There's the Urukai scene where they're running, again extended. Uh, the Burning of the Westfold, which is when they burned uh, and you have the people of Rohan running. That was an extended scene. Now, can I stop you for a second? Because you're sure. saying, like the Urukai one, you said it's extended, it's in the theatrical, but they extended it from that point on. Exactly, so... There's parts of, when I say extended, so that scene is still there. They just yeah. made it longer. Is, now, can, as a fan, do you know why they made that longer? Like, it needed to be longer? Uh, what, from what I think they cut out, they would cut out dialogue. Oh, so there was dialogue. There in was dialogue that was added. Okay. So that the biggest thing where I say these things are extended, yeah. they've added dialogue to those scenes that were not in them before. Okay, good. All right. Uh, the Massacre at the Fords of Eisen, brand new scene uh, where you see Eomer looking for Theodrid, the the son of King Theoden. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Banishment of Eomer was, is extended. Night Camp at Fangorn, which is extended. The Passage of the Marshes, which is extended. The White Rider, when uh, Gandalf arrives, extended. The Song of the Entwives, this is a new scene, and literally it is just a scene of John Rhys Davies singing and speaking more poetry in Treebeard voice. Like, that's all the scene is. It's just him singing, like, another two songs. Hmm. 
There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be completely honest. Not sure they needed that one back in then. That's that's a good six minutes. We won't get back. Oh, Joel's a fan of the ends. We'll find out later. So, uh, and I, and I say that in jest, but John Reese Davies did do that very well. It's just sometimes you hear Treebeard and the ends talk, you're like. I know you're making sense, but I need to put your words in order before I understand what you said. <laughs> um, the Heir of Numenor, which is a brand new scene, and it is a scene where Aragorn and Gandalf are talking, and Gandalf is essentially telling him, you're going to have to go to Minas Tirith, and you're going to have to claim the crown of men. And he's like, oh, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> then there's a new scene called Ent Draft, where Merry and Pimpin drink the Ent Draft, and they grow as a result of it. Wait, whoa, What? In the books, they drink yeah. the, this thing called Entdraft, and it makes them grow. Like, so, essentially grow like a tree grows. So how and do they get back to their size? They don't. And it says in the book that when they arrive, like, Merry and Pippin are the tallest hobbits ever in the history of hobbits. But, I mean, like, in, it, in the movie, they look like they're the same size still. Oh, well, then. I mean, it shows them grow, but maybe yeah. in perspective, they never worry about that. Okay. But yes, they do grow, so they're now like the tallest hobbits yeah. ever. They're not as tall as... Uh, they should have kept that in. He would have given them something to do. That's true. There you go. <laughs> uh, King of the Golden Hall, where Theoden becomes king again. That's extended. The Funeral of Theodrid. That is in a completely new scene, and Eowyn sings in it, which when you first hear it, it's kind of... It's all a cappella. It yeah. is... There is no even soundtrack underneath it. It is just Miranda Otto singing. The very first time I heard it, it was kind of like, well, okay, can she sing? Oh, wait, okay, she can sing. Oh, oh, so it's, t okay. It's one of those things you kind of have to listen to the song a couple times before yeah. you realize, okay, it's actually in tune and it does make sense. What is jarring is there is no other sound. Like, it's literally just her voice singing, and that's kind of eerie and creepy. And, Acapella. But, but it's supposed that. to be a funeral, so that makes yeah. sense. Uh, there's a, a scene called Brego, which is a brand new scene, and it's with Eowyn and Aragorn flirting while Aragorn tries to control the wild horse Brego, which had been Theodred's horse, and nobody could control it since his death. There's I, a I, I'll be honest with you. I'm glad it's not in the theatrical. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of flirting. But here's the thing. He does a really good job in the theatrical version of spurning those advances. Oh, he does in the extended edition. They just have more of them. Yeah. Not going to lie, though. At some point, I was like, who would I rather have? Arwen oh, or Liv Eowyn? Liv Tyler. And I went, gosh, Eowyn's got that farm girl quality. But Arwen, damn. Oh, I know exactly why. She'd be young forever. I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly why I choose one over the other, but if I give my reason, I'm instantly going to be listed as a chauvinist, but I'm just honest <laughs> in what I like, and one has more to hold on to than the other person, and that's literally why I would choose one over the other. There you go. <laughs> nice. um, where am I at? Ring of Bera here, which is a scene where Sauron uh, discusses uh, Gandalf discusses the fact that Gandalf is now Gandalf the White, and he sort of mocks that. And he talks with Grima about Aragorn, and they talk about how Aragorn could not possibly be Isildur's heir. Um, a Daughter of Kings, which is Eowyn wanting to go fight. That's extended. Uh, of Herbs and Stewed Rabbit. Uh, that is a scene that's also extended. Then on the second disc, because they actually have to split it up, <laughs> even on Blu-ray, it's two different discs. Uh, so disc two starts with Of Dwarf Women, which is extended. 
who are well, often mistaken for dwarf men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then there's a new scene called One of the Dunedine, where Eowyn learns that Ar- Aragorn is 87 years old after fighting with Theoden as a king. This is a scene that I'm really pissed off as not in the theater. It is a good scene. Because you need this to explain why he's so unnaturally young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you learn how old he is. But there's also another funny part to this scene. Apparently, Eowyn is a horrible cook. Because throughout the whole scene, she's trying to get people to eat this stew that she cooked. And let's be honest, it's stew. How the hell do you screw up stew? Yeah. Sam makes a nice looking stew. So anywho, anyway, uh, it's just comical (laughs) how she tries to get people to eat it. And he and Aragorn politely eats it, even though he hates it. It's it's funny. Uh, The even star going back to... uh, uh, Arwen, that's an extended scene. Then the fighting at Hel- or them arriving at Helm's Deep is extended. The window to the west extended. This is when Faramir is discussing the whole situation over a map. Then there's a brand new scene called Sons of the Steward. And it is a scene where you see Baromir and Faramir together. Um, I want to say, is it Isengard? Where? Where they is are? Is that the name of the? Yeah. No. Denaroth, right? Oh, that's the king's name. <laughs> I don't know. That's really bugging me. Osgiliath! That's Osgiliath, the name yeah. of the scene. All right. So in the Sons of the Steward, it's the first time they retook Osgiliath. And um, you can clearly see that the, that the dad loves Boromir and hates Faramir. And it sets that all up. Daddy issues. Daddy issues. <laughs> uh, the Forbidden Pool extended. The Glittering Caves extended. Uh, don't be hasty, Master Marioduck. It's a new scene of the Entmoot. We actually see them arguing and Master Marioduck yelling at the Ents for taking so long. Uh, and then we have the actual fighting. Battle of the Hornburg extended. Retreat at the Hornburg extended. The last march of the Ents extended. Um, essentially just more fighting. <laughs> and then there's a new scene called the final tally. Or sorry, new scene first called Fanghorn comes to Helm's Deep. It's the scene with the orcs running into Fanghorn to be killed at the end of the battle. Uh, the final tally. It's a new scene where Legolas and Gimli compare tallies. Ironically, you heard we it in our in intro. Yeah. That's from the extended edition, not the theatrical. Um, Flotsam and Jetsam. It's a scene where Merry and Pippin find a south, far bit, th- south farthing old Toby uh, tobacco in flooded waters of Orthanc. It's marijuana. Oh, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> And then the last scene that is new and also the last scene of the movie is called Farewell to Faramir, a scene where Sam and Frodo leave with Gollum and Faramir warns that Gollum cannot be trusted. And it's actually kind of a hard scene to watch because Two Towers did a good job of sort of making you feel bad for Gollum Mm -hmm. and sort of realize he's a person. Faramir kind of beats him around. Oh, yeah. Like this is a scene where he's choking him and throwing him against walls. And you're just like, I've seen that. Damn, no wonder he like is screwed up. Nobody really treats him nice. So no. there you go. It's no. hard to be alive for five hundred years. It yeah, is. that's a problem. <laughs> that's that's all the behind the scenes. Joel, were you excited to see this movie when it came out in theaters? Uh, I wasn't really aware enough to be excited when it came out in the theaters. This came out when I was, I think, most excited about Lord of the Rings, but I was also, I think, eleven years old. I just watched the first one over and over again. I don't think I saw this one in its entirety until college. Really? Yeah, we. Uh, our f- we had a friend that had the extended editions, and I think one friend stole them from that friend, and I think there's still some hard feelings over that. <laughs> so I don't know if he ever got it back. Sam, we talked about him last week. Ah! <laughs> I don't know if Nickelback. Sam ever- yeah, I don't know if Sam ever got his back, which is sad. Um, he's probably the biggest uh, Lord of the Rings fan out of all of us, him and Wes. But um, 
No, we would just put the uh, extended editions on, just repeat at the house. And so yeah. it would just kind of be like background noises. We all did our homework and this <laughs> and that. But um, when I saw it for the first time, I was really confused and still am kind of confused as to why it took so long for me to see it. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I think I just like had so much going on. I never had time to just like sit and really watch through them uh, because it had been years since I'd seen Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Um, but I've really enjoyed it once I did see it. Well, it, I think it's true with a lot of things. Like, I'm surprised 38 years that I had never seen The Man from Snowy River. Such a good movie. But here's the thing. At and 38 I sent years, a, I, sent a I should have known that movie. Oh, I just wanted to include that I sent a picture to you guys a couple weeks ago of me rewatching both of those movies. I know. I saw it. <laughs> 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 All right, Joe? Oh, uh, yeah. I loved Fellowship, seeing it multiple times in theaters, and I was ready for The Two Towers. This was when I knew I saw late at night, opening night, because I saw it again the next afternoon and I fell asleep halfway through from exhaustion. Nice job. <laughs> How about you, JC? I didn't even know it was a thing. I, I didn't <laughs> understand that at all. <laughs> that see, Mister Middle Earth didn't know it was a thing. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> even know it was a thing. Because and we did the math. So this was the year that I saw Fellowship for the first time. I've told this story on the podcast before of watching it in a friend's dorm room. Well, this was the year. The year that Two Towers was in theaters was the year I saw Fellowship on DVD for the first time. Okay. So by the time I'd seen Fellowship and I wanted to see Two Towers, it had already been in the movie theaters, and I was waiting for it to come out on D- on DVD. So. Yes, I legit didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> I love that. I, am, I had no clue what I had no clue what Lord of the Rings was at all uh, when this movie came out. <laughs> I will say this though: at some point, none of us ever knew what the Lord of the Rings That's was. True. So clearly, I have caught up in like in because in, 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 2003, this thing came out in 2002. So 2003, I I come into it, and so it's been 14 straight years of Middle Earth, man. Good job, you. Uh, <laughs> Well, Joel, are you ready for a synopsis? Yeah, and if I pause, it's going to be because there's so many names in here that I don't know how to read, so I, I'm just going to like look to you guys well, and I, how's that do? fill it in. I broke it up into pieces because I got little notes in there that I want to throw in. Yeah. So just read it, and I'll go up our... And I got questions for you also. And, and he's going to throw them, so we're going to try to catch them. Yes. <laughs> I can't do this, Sam. I know. It's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frugal. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow, even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Furrow, I do understand 
I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? There's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. All right, so the film begins with a flashback set to the first film with Gandalf battling the Balrog on the bridge of Khazad-dûm. But this time continues from Gandalf's perspective, with the scene continuing to follow both as they hurtle down below, fighting while in freefall, a very cool scene. The moment they hit the water of an underground lake, Frodo awakens from his dream. <gasps> this is an interesting way to do a prologue. I like oh, it's this. it's a great way to do a prologue. It doesn't yeah. feel, and it doesn't feel redundant because Peter Jackson has done two great prologues already. And you haven't seen it before. You're literally watching something you've never seen, but it still catches you up to what you Yeah. Uh, Gandalf grabs a sword like a comic book hero. He's like Superman with that thing. <laughs> CGI doesn't look that great. But then I was like, how is Gandalf not burning holding onto the Balrog? Magic? Well, there are people out there that believe that the sun isn't really that hot. Right. The sun itself, if without any atmosphere, is it really that hot? Yes. I don't... I, I, no. Well, then why, how come space is so cold? Let's keep going. So... Uh, wait. That's a long fall. When hitting the water obliterate them? Yeah, but... Magic? He's a wizard! This is an epic fantasy. I'm just saying... These are things that are popping in my head as I'm watching this already. <laughs> you, you should probably not eat any more popcorn then. Thank you. <laughs> Sam and Frodo continue their journey through the rocky region of Imin Muil. I think I got that right. You did? Where you they did. become lost. I like that Sam notices the ring is corrupting Frodo. Yeah, and I just realized that I said he was climbing down with his rope in the Misty Mountains. It was the Imin Muil. I'm an idiot. And humor is used here when talking about Lampus bread. He's a morale what? booster. More Lamba spread. Sam's role is the morale booster. You know, oh, yeah. I don't often give in to foreign food, but this Elvish stuff, not bad. I don't like green food. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Sam throughout all of these movies. He plays a good role. Yeah, Sa- I've got a lot of Sam, to say later Sam about is my favorite character, yeah. Um, they are then attacked by the ring-possessed Gollum, not the one who possesses the ring, but <laughs> possessed by the ring. Yes, I like that. Um, Gollum wishing to retrieve his precious Precious. from the ones he thinks stole it from him. The hobbits subdue and bind him with Sam's elven rope given to him by the elven elder Galadriel in Lorien. Sam distrusts Gollum and wishes to abandon him, rightfully so, but Frodo understands the burden of the creature and takes pity on him. In need of a guide, Frodo removes the rope from Gollum's neck, which burns, and persuades him to lead them back to the Black Gate of Mordor. It burns as a <laughs> This is why people came to the theater. <laughs> they wanted to see Gollum. They wanted to see if they could do it. And they did it. And Gollum in the early stages of this career looks pretty good still. Yeah, I was, it doesn't or, look we, bad. We appreciate the fact that it's 2001. That's the CGI then. Yeah. It looks good at that point. It looked good for the time. This is a fiercer version of Gollum than we've seen in the films, though. Because if you watch the first three Hobbits, he's more of a trickster. In this, he's full-on violent. Yep. Um, something CGI has a problem with is displaying weight on characters in a realistic fashion. And this is done ridiculously well in this film. And it's hard to do. At the time, this was a landmark. 
Uh, Bilbo didn't have the ring for a few months, and he aged like crazy. Gollum had it, hasn't had it for 60 years. How come he hasn't aged? Well, I mean, what's he going to look like older? I mean, he's already I was like, lost say, his hair. Maybe he's already... More computerized. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe he's already as old as he can get. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, he's... Well, I mean, if you look at it, his hair's a lot more thin in this one. And Okay. I guess I didn't notice that. Really but... lanky. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, like, I noticed his, like, super thin hair in this one. I didn't notice mm. it in the other one. Uh, Andy Serkis, I think we can all agree, should have gotten a sub- supporting actor nom on this one. Oh, oh, yeah. He should have. He should get all the awards, every yeah. award. Um, in Rohan, the pack of Urukai run across the grassy landscape with their captives, Merry and Pippin. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are in pursuit following three days of running. <laughs> Legolas or Mrs. the Hobbits are being taken to Isengard, where Saruman is mar- marshalling. 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 Leading the Urukai forces to do the bidding of Sauron. I just want to say, you, dude. you are nailing the weird ass names in this. Yep. Good job on that. Thank you. And I messed up marshalling. And, and surmises. And surmises. <laughs> surmises? Where was that? You surmises. Oh, see, I put an S in that one and I took one away from the other. Uh, Aragorn and Legolas can see great distances and hear well, great distances. Yes. Uh, how is Gimli keeping up? He keeps falling farther and farther back in the montage. Oh, uh, magic. <laughs> we dwarves are natural sprinters. sprinters. <laughs> I mean, what's funny is this is like a good two or three minute segment in the mm-hmm. movie. It's one line in the book. Yeah. They ran for three days. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like when you think about a holy shit, they ran for three days. It's- but did they run for three days or did they run, take a break, run, take a break, run, take a break? Which well, they would have had to do that in order for Gimli to catch up. Let's just be honest. That's, That's very true, yeah. And some of these scenes that involve the Urukai are a little overly animated. Yeah, the one guy, and I call him Blueface, even though he didn't really have a blue <laughs> face, but the one with like the pointy ears and is like, we want some meat. <laughs> like that guy. Like he looks, I don't know if He's it's practical coloring. Effect. Yeah, it's a practical effect with like some CGI added to there it. There is no it, CGI oh, on that guy. It, it, it looks CGI. It's, it's the it's the light that's reflecting yeah. off of them. That's the problem. That and and this may be too early, but while we're talking about this stuff, did they use the circle like bright white lights for everyone's eyes in Two Towers? I thought that everyone's eyes are super bright. Everyone's yeah. eyes have those three white dots, which I think was the precursor to now. Like you see, like the circular mm-hmm. white rim in those people that really want to get close looks of the eyes. I'm looking at yours now, and it's just like, <laughs> damn, like. How were they able to stare into those lights for very long? The two towers are Isengard and... Orthanc. Which is Mount Doom? No. Because it's presented in the theatrical. They go, they show Isengard, and then in the distance, they show the other one, and it's only the mountain you see. So they present it as Mount Doom, if they think that. No, the two towers are Barador, where uh, Sauron is, and then Orthanc and Isengard, where uh, Sauron is. Those are the two towers. And so in the extended edition, Sauron is talking throughout that whole thing, and he's talking in Orthanc, so you're looking, and he literally says the line, and the union of the two towers. And, like, mm-hmm. you're going up Orthanc, and then it sort of molds, and you're going up Barador, and so you've seen both towers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, chopping down trees. I wonder if that'll be a roll later. Uh, <laughs> might. Ew, orc births. Yay, uh, practical effects. Are we supposed to know who these two little kids are on the horse? No. Okay. No, they spend a lot of time on them. The, well, I think they're meant to make us feel like, holy cow, this is this could the be terror. Man. This is the, so far, all of the bad 
that we've seen in the first movie and now here happens to characters we know and characters we're invested in. Gotcha. Now we're seeing like this war is not just affecting our little fellowship. It's affecting everyone. And now we're seeing like societies being ruined, towns being destroyed. When right. I first saw this, because it cuts from this scene to Aomir and Eowyn, basically. They, they, they go to the next part. And I always thought that those two kids were Aomir and Eowyn, and they grew up and they were living with Theoden now. That's oh, wow. how that would have been a it. that would have been a long time passage thing. Well, it's uh, movie magic, yeah, man. Go for it. In the kingdom of Rohan, home of the Horse Lords, Horsemaster, King <laughs> Theoden is mentally and physically weak due to the enchantments of his steward, Grima Wormtongue, who is secretly in, ser- in the service of Saruman. Orcs and wild men of Dunland, incited by Saruman, freely roam the lands and kill the people, including the king's only son, Theodred. Theoden's nephew, Eomer interrogates Grima angrily, realizing he has lustful eyes for Aramur's sister, Eowyn. Gross. <laughs> and that he is now an agent of Saruman. Grima banishes Eomer Amer, for undermining his authority, and Eomer sets forth to gather the remaining loyal men of Ro- the Rohirrim. Rohirrim, thank you, throughout the land. Grima Wurntung, WWE heel number two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brad Dourif shines in creepy roles. Yeah, he- he was a he really alien does. resurrection, right? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. He was a doctor that licks the glass. Yeah, he's a freak. Everything <laughs> Brad Dourif says in this is amazing acting because he knows which words to accentuate yeah. and which words to make creepy as hell. And I'm sitting there going, Of course Grima's gonna have a hard on for AO and I'm surprised Amber hasn't killed him at before this point. Uh, yeah. She's cute, but she's not a live Tyler. Okay, she's not, but if you're in that little area of hey, you take with Rohan. She's, wow, we don't sound she's like, the bell of the ball over there. We, we don't sound like male pigs at all, as we like. <laughs> speaking of male pigs, the Urukai rest at nightfall. <laughs> and Mary and Pippin speak of the possibility of trees coming alive. Uh, Urukai conversation is great. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't we have we some have more meats? <laughs> These are not for eating. Urukai are cannibalistic. All right, clearly. Yes. Not going to lie, but after seeing them get born, there's no way I'd eat these things. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the look of the orc who attempts to kill Merry and Pippin. The look of him (laughs) is creepy (laughs) as hell. And this is, I mean, we talked before how Peter Jackson was a horror film guy. Everything that we have seen that's happened in Nightfall is horrific. It's terrifying. And this, I could see kids being scared when they saw this film. Yeah. So this is when I start, and I don't even think Fellowship is really a kids movie. It's not. No. Yeah. Fellowship. These three are not kids movies. Um. So yeah. That's what I got. That's what I got to say about that. Aramir's <laughs> guys <laughs> ambush and kill all the orcs in the Urukai, holding these two hobbits captive at nightfall. Okay. There's a lot of cutting from night to day in this part, uh-huh. and I had trouble paying attention to when things were happening. Night was past. Day was present. Right, but it it kept going back and forth. So night, past, day, present. <laughs> Thing a lot of time seemed to have passed, but okay. <laughs> Just 24 hours. Maybe actually not even 24 hours, maybe but like it, six hours. You switch days like that, I think three times, three switches. Like So you're seeing six different environments in two minutes. What? Yeah. It's the same place. I'm just saying that because it keeps <laughs> cutting back from Aomir and then to the Urukai, and the Urukai are always in the dark, the Umir are always in the light. Okay. 
It was just confusing as to when shit was taking place. Is it okay that I'm now really confused? It's okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't know. Talk about Amir, I think. And okay. his people, right? Yeah, and his people. And they later, <laughs> guess what they do? They encounter Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. We talked about them earlier. And in turn, tells Aragorn that they were there were no survivors of the orc Urukai slaughter. Gimli's really funny with his quips. Oh, yeah. Yes. Gimli is pretty much only good in this movie for his quips, though. Ouch. Until Well, until the end. When he fi- I said until the end. <laughs> When he finally decides to start doing something. Because before then, he's like, when, when they get taken down by the wargs, he does nothing but get his ass kicked. But he's got jokes to tell. I mean, maybe, isn't that what we learned about dwarves? They're funny. They're funny. Yes. They are funny. Gimli is ridiculously entertaining in this. There you go. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I mean, in the past, we've talked about wanting to know that our characters are in danger and that they can be flawed. If he's getting his butt kicked the entire movie, then. He's pretty flawed. Yeah. yeah. And Aramir... Plus, yeah. he's a six-foot man portraying a four-foot person. Yeah, I saw a cast picture, and he's taller than everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, Aramir kills two hobbits, supposedly. Yeah. Like, gives go. two horses sure. as a way of apologizing. I'm sorry. Those horses are worth at least two hobbits apiece. Ouch. Well, they've yeah, two legs, four man. legs. Yeah. You're right. Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Apparently, Mary and Pippin weren't important enough hobbits. We only got In this movie, what did they really do? <laughs> they found old, old Toby. Uh, I'll tell you what Aragorn does. Yeah. <laughs> Upon arriving at the battle site, he uses his tracking skills. I bet it's a trafficking skills. And finds Hobbit tracks That's that lead to a whole other movie. He right. turns into a CSI profiler examining a crime scene. And that, that was the porno that was made after this movie in 2010. Nice. We'll cover that one. Lord the of the Fling. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good. Lord of the O-Rings. Yeah, that's <laughs> Um, we Whore see, of the Rings. Oh, there, yeah. Let's keep going. Let's <laughs> keep going. Mary. <laughs> so, the Bobbit. What's sad is we could keep going. He is <laughs> trying so hard to stay in place and not lose his spot in the script. <laughs> the two showers. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that is a good one, that's actually. Good one. Uh, we see Mary and Pippin as they flee into the forest, pursued by the orc who previously attacked them, who wanted some meats. The return. Um, the return of the O-ring. Yes. Then they are aided by Treebeard, the oldest of the tree-like creatures, the Ents, who takes them to the one he calls the White Wizard, whom Mary and Pippin assume to be Saruman, who was a White Wizard. We leave them looking up at this wizard, who we do not see his face; yes. we just see his feet. Every time I watch the scene, I try to locate Treebeard's eyes before they open. Mike, my eyes go to that. They're like, okay, I want to see his eyes before they open, see if I can find him first. Oh, I see. Yeah. You're trying to find them in the bark. Yeah. And gotcha. I, the, the scene, the way that it's cut, doesn't it seem like the orc is on top of Mary before it, gets cut, before it cuts away to Treebeard stepping on him? Yeah, I mean, because he's standing over the camera. It seems like, yeah, it, it, it's, it appears that he's on top of him, and then when Treebeard steps on him, he's clearly only at his feet. That's not as bad as when Eomir is talking to Aragorn and you can actually see his sword fall out of the scabbard. <laughs> and then in the next scene, it's magically there beside him. Like, literally, the sword was going to hit Vigo in the foot. <laughs> it probably did hit him in his broken foot. Yes. Because that's the other thing. Like, during this scene when he's doing all the tracking, he kicks that helmet. In the movie, when he kicks that helmet and he drops to the ground and, like, screams like this... A, that was his 12th take, and B, when Peter Jackson called him back, he's like, dude, that was the best take you've done yet. He goes, I think I broke my toe. He did. He had yeah. broken his toe on the helmet, oh. and that's why he screamed. He screamed like that from pain of breaking his toe. Uh, quick question. Who looks better? Me. Treebeard or Groot? Groot. I mean, I am Groot. 
Uh, which group? <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, Groot you've seen. Well, I've seen. Wh- which Groot ones? Um, Old Groot. I'm... Vin Diesel's Groot. <laughs> I mean, like, I, both get, Vin Diesel. I know. I'm just trying to. Th- no, they're not. Yeah. Think. Vin Diesel did Baby Groot's oh, voice. I thought you meant Treebeard, too. <laughs> oh. We well, said oh. both. I thought you meant Treebeard. Oh, um, I mean, obviously, I think Groot looks better because he had more. He had better technology behind him, but. Mm. I, I didn't like the fact that Treebeard had a horn going right out to the side of his head. It's a branch, JC. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a horn. He's a f***ing unicorn. <laughs> Damn it, I can't say that. Or he's, he's, a, he's, a, or he's a tree. <laughs> he's a unicorn. We, we leave here. I'm going to show you trees. Sometimes they have branches just sticking out. <laughs> but they have branches other places. Or like make it look like he's got a crown of branches. No, they chose Do one. To like come there is chest? one. Or just symmetry. Like dude. one out of his shoulder? You would have been like, oh, I'd, he's got shoulder pads. No, I'd have been okay with that. But seriously, one. And it's not even straight out his forehead. It's like, let's I go am. off to the side and like just go straight this way. I, I am Groot. <laughs> just look up a picture of Treebeard. That's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was going to have to go back into the archives. <laughs> I've got Google in front of me. But um, someone we haven't talked about in a minute, Frodo and Sam. <laughs> Who traversed to the dead marshes, a scene I never liked. Uh, passing the undead fallen warriors of the Second Age who but haunt the marshes. But it tells the ancient battle that you saw in the prologue. It barely it says anything does. about it. I know, it but does. it is in but the extended edition. If you, There's a whole long talk about the soldiers and stuff. I'll, I'll say what I want to say about it later. Um, but Frodo becomes enchanted because he's weak by the spirits living in the waters of the marsh and falls in. He's pulled out before he drowns by Gollum. The three of them also hide f- from a newly seated ring wraith on his flying bell beast. The shot of the bog is hard to locate the characters on. Like when they do the cinematography shot. But I think that's back. on purpose. I think they do that so you realize this is what they're crossing. It, I was just thinking, maybe not so wide next time on that one. See, um, just the one, like, put another one over here. We are now analyzing like, the tree beard. He's wearing a sideways hat. <laughs> <laughs> this came out right after the 90s, and tell me you this never how, wore. This is how you me, want me to wear. No, I tell never me you, did. I tell never me wore. you never. Okay, you maybe never did. But <laughs> you saw plenty of people in pop culture, movie people, wearing visors to the side or upside down to the side. And I made fun of all of them for being idiots. But you didn't call them unicorns. No, we called them douchebags. I was going to say, <laughs> I like Treebeard, hence I called him a They're, unicorn. Okay, so we're all ingredients. It's a great thing. Uh, <laughs> this bog has got to smell something awful with all those dead people. But they're under the magic water. Doesn't the magic water keep them safe? I wrote, Peter Jackson is in his element in this film with the horror background. The shot of the spirits attacking Frodo looks cartoony. Yeah, I've never cared. Back in 2002, it looked amazing, but in a creepy as hell then. But today, it looks like a cartoon. Eh, I Uh, see that. Whoa, Frodo's petting the ring. Gollum is friggin' crazy. (laughs) Uh, How does Frodo know who Smeagol is? I thought Gollum told him the story. He didn't tell him yet. Do all hobbits know each other? Okay. But haven't they talked about no, this No, this in the is past? an extended edition thing. They definitely have, like... Go for it. Early, oh, yeah, yeah. There's early, an entire earlier scene. Earlier on, there's that. an entire scene where he tells him, and you learn about the split you personality. S- you see Like, young. you literally see... No, that's... You're, what you're thinking of is Return of the King. Ooh, I'm ahead of myself. That's the beginning. Spoilers, man. Spoilers. Shut up. Seriously. But no. During the Emin Wheel sequence, mm-hmm. uh, in one of my extendeds that I was talking about earlier... Uh, there is a scene where you essentially see him figuring out Smeagol, and he'll, like, uh, Andy Circus will even change voice a little bit from Smeagol to Gollum. 
Oh, I'm just saying, how does Frodo know his name was Smeagol? Because Gollum told him. But he says, you were not so different from a hobbit once, were you? Smeagol. As if he's discovering right then and there. No, he had overheard it. So okay. he overheard the conversation Smeagol and Gollum were having with each other. So Gollum Smeagol didn't know that Frodo knew. But Frodo knew it from listening to an overheard. So the scene, Frodo is like laying in a blanket, like sleeping. Yeah. And the Gollum is having an argument with himself. Right. Because Gandalf and, never tells him anything about Smeagol, does he? No. In an other, other than... Uh, the great phrase said at the Mines of Moria, the great power is not knowing when to take a life, but knowing when to spare one. Right. But Lord knows what game or role Smeagol or Gollum has to play. Um, in Fanghorn Forest, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli discover the mysterious white wizard they've, been all, they've all been talking about, who is ultimately shown to be Gandalf. What? Reborn. He's alive! Now known as Gandalf the White. No one ever really dies. <laughs> Where's Boromir? <laughs> Oh, Faramir no, wasn't very dead. happy about that. <laughs> Sean Bean dies in a lot of stuff. Uh, yay, Gandalf is alive! Yay. Uh, the, this Gandalf knows how to handle himself. Pretty good. He's pretty pretty sexy. Yeah. Uh, I love how the voice of Christopher Lee and Ian McKellen is mixed at this time, though. Because they took both of them reading that line together, <clears throat> putting it on top of each other as you, before you see his face. Yeah, I know. Which is oh, awesome. Cool. It was a cool little trick. And apparently, if you're, if you, I can't, I remember it's in the theater. In the theater, they had Lee in one speaker on the right and McKellen on the left. So it was coming at you from both ends. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he speaks of his ordeal with the Balrog, and we see his defeat of the creature finally. Okay. Gandalf doesn't recognize his name. No. Well, he's still, it's, it's supposed to sort of illustrate this idea of he's essentially reawakening. Yeah. Essentially, the Valar are giving him back life. He died. And so the Valar is saying, you're not done. You shouldn't have died, dummy. So we're going to bring you back, but we're going to bring you back more powerful because maybe you weren't powerful enough but before. But it's, it's also said he was gone for days, but it was lifetimes for him. Exactly. Which makes sense. Also I like. I love that. Gandalf. However, shouldn't uh, he be aware of the things happening at this time? Unaware of the things that are happening at the time also? Like if he's been gone that long. I think it's long, one of those things where... The Valar holds so much knowledge, mm -hmm. and they've just given it all back to Gandalf. It's not that Gandalf doesn't know who he is. It's that Gandalf has just been given everything he needs to know. Okay. And so he's dealing with like immediacy of like, okay, we got to deal with the ring, the war, all this stuff. And then somebody calls him Gandalf, and he's like, it's like that time when you hear something, and you know you know it, but you kind of have to go back because you haven't heard it in so long. Right. And again, for Gandalf, that's lifetimes. Okay. And so that's why he stops and he pauses because he's like, oh, I was Gandalf. And like we sort of look at him like, are you going insane? It's like, no, he's just been given back consciousness. And think about getting every bit of information you've ever known for your entire life, mm -hmm. plus more, all at once. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Also, when we were talking about the Gollum thing, that, that scene where he's talking to himself hasn't happened yet. It had to. It hasn't, because it, it, it's in the next scene, where he has the argument with himself in the pool of water. Then this must be out of order. It, it's he not out of order. This is exactly the way that I watched it. I'll have to rewatch it then, because uh, I, I don't know why he... Unless it was bad editing. I think it was just something that they overlooked, and they're like, okay, it's, it's just known that Smeagol is so bad. Perhaps it was Hobbit lore. Like, there was once a person named Smeagol in Hobbit in the Hobbit Shire over there, and he went bad and nobody saw him again. Yeah, they were big storytellers. 
Maybe. I Could don't know. be. No, he's the storyteller. Are Gandalf. You? Oh, who hey. summoned Shadowfax, Lord of the Mirrors, an ancient. Meros. Meros. <laughs> an ancient and noble race of horses. And the quartet proceed to Edoras? Edoras. Edoras. Sure. I'm not going to lie. I really wanted Shadowfax to look monumentally different than other horses. But he looks just like a regular old horse. Like what? Beautiful, though. I don't know. Golden hooves? He's white. Maybe have like two other legs. Two extra legs. He's the lord of the horses. Treebeard already had the unicorn. Hey, and supposedly... Treebeard. (laughs) And supposedly beings were made in the image of their god. So why would we be different than what god looks like? A horse. Wait. If he is the god of horses, shouldn't he just look like a horse? He's not. He's the lord of horses. Well, whatever. I always thought Lord and God was the same thing. Oh, <laughs> Should I not pay attention? Should I miss definitions? Uh, maybe. That's the Trinity. I mean, it depends on which angle you're looking at it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum reach the Black Gate, finding it to be heavily guarded. They observe a contingent a contingent yes. of Easterlings from Rune arrive to reinforce the garrison, only to have Gollum reveal to them a less risky path. <laughs> Sam remains distrustful, but Frodo gives him the benefit of the doubt and begins calling him Smeagol. While observing the gate, the rocky ledge on which Sam lays gives way and he tumbles down the cliff. Frodo rushes to help him and in desperation throws the cloak given to him by Galadriel over them both. Easterlings who'd wandered over to investigate the disturbance are unable to see them under the cloak, which has the appearance of a boulder. Uh, This gate looks like something Guillermo del Toro would have designed. Probably. Yeah, if he could finish a project, yeah. (laughs) Excuse me, we got Pacific Rim. How long ago? (laughs) Oh, we got that, yeah. Uh, Gollum is clearly under some post-traumatic stress in the introduction of the Black Gate scene. This is the reason why you have to nominate him for Best Supporting Actor. Because as you see Frodo and Sam sitting up there watching, you see Gollum in the back rocking back and forth with his hands over his head, clearly under stress. You don't have to have an actor doing that in the background. Nope. But he's doing it to clearly show this guy's in character. Uh, my, and he was tortured earlier. My skin is hurting watching them fall down this rocky slide. Yeah, that would hurt a lot. Uh, hiding under the cloak awesome. to make it look like a rock is such a cool special effect. Uh, but And that cloak goes on pretty late, though. Like, the cloak doesn't go over them until the guards are literally right tiny. in front. But remember, they're tiny. Hobbits are tiny. Okay, but they're not, like, three inch. They're not Smurfs. Okay. The fact is, those guards would have seen them. This is this was the this is the only editing slash direction problem I've seen in this movie. Hobbits are burglars. They can often go unseen. Yes, when they're wearing a flipping ring. (laughs) Flipping. They got they got them for the adventure in the Hobbit before he had the ring. If I may, they would. You can't you can't deny the guards would have seen them in real time. I wasn't no. there. Oh God! I don't know. Because <laughs> here's what here's why I say that. You saw their faces looking that direction. You have no idea where their eyes were looking. Because there is plenty of ways that they could have been like looking up and scanning the top as they were throwing the like they're down here at the bottom and they could have like because my face is towards you, but I'm looking up at the ceiling and they were walking towards it. They could <sighs> see the perspective. Okay. <laughs> okay. Serenity now. Why did Gollum take them to the Black Gate if there's another entrance that he knows about? Because the stairs were right beside the Black Gate, and to be honest, he had to go to the Black Gate because Frodo told him to. But 
He's and the Frodo, freaking guide. He should. He should. He, but he listened to Master. Remember, Master said, "Take him to the Black Gate." He just wasn't going to go in the Black Gate. You're right, but I can I totally understand now why Sam feels that Frodo's not listening to him instead of Gollum. I get it now because if I was Sam, I'd be pissed off too. Going, this dipshit over here knew all along the path and took you to the wrong place, and you're going to well, trust him over me. He didn't take you to the wrong place. He took you to the place that you wanted to go to. He just wasn't going to let you. Go the whole way. He was just going to like show you. See, this is where you wanted to go, but that's wrong. Don't go there. Well, I'm just saying that Sam has a right to be pissed off because of that. Well, Sam has a right to be pissed yeah, off because he, he probably be hasn't there. had salt in forever, and yeah. he really likes his salt. <laughs> okay. And potatoes. <laughs> Gandalf and company yeah. approached Metacel the Nedarus, where Theodred has just died with Eowyn at his bedside. Metacel. Grima and Eowyn. Yeah, he doesn't give off a rapey feel at all. I love the shot of the flag flying into flying from its mount in the distance. That was a cool shot. Mm-hmm. That is symbolism at its finest right there. Uh, Aragorn, like most men, spots the hottie in the population of filth. Are we supposed to judge symbolism on how well it looks? Because I thought that was not, not PC anymore. I'm going to have to process that one. <laughs> and <laughs> walking stick. Have these guards never heard of wizards? He's an old man. <laughs> But they know who he is. Grima told them that he was going to come. No, they said Gandalf the Grey was going to come, not Gandalf the White. But he's not he's, in the I White yet. I know he's wearing the stupid <laughs> don't traveling Don't you throw your logic at me, son. <laughs> I don't throw it. I speak it. Uh, so after he doesn't take his staff or walking stick, they, exor- they exercise the demon <laughs> from Saruman, um, this is the demon of Saruman from King Theoden and banish Wormtongue. Uh, I like the accent. Yes. Thank you. I love that Gandalf is in gray, but throws off his cloak in white and frightens everyone. <sighs> uh, Theoden's And laughter. Bernard Hill does a good job of acting like someone who is like having poison sucked out of them. Can we just reiterate again how great the casting is in all these films? <laughs> the like, power of Christ compels you. Well, he is- Damn, Gandalf knocks Saruman down from miles away. Do that a few more times. The story's over. How it should have ended. <laughs> uh, great job de-aging him so quickly using CGI. It doesn't look unnatural, actually. Grima gets thrown on his ass. And wait, why are we in Rohan? Why did they abandon their search for Mary and Pippin? Because they think they're dead. Oh, that's yes. right. Aramir told them that they were dead. Yeah. Okay. And they promised to go check on Edoras and all of that because they give them horses. Gotcha. All right. Thank you. Uh, Theoden is confronted with his dead son, and rather than risk open war, decides to flee to a large fortress called Helm's Deep, which in times of trouble has saved the people of Rohan. It's always a hard scene to watch a parent bury their child. Yeah. It is. Uh, regardless of how you know how well you know the character or not, however, this is very memorable because of he Bernard said, Hill's performance yeah, as Theoden. He does a great job of... Yeah. yeah. I'll hey, it's those two kids from before. They must be someone. No? No. No? They're the personification of the damage that Saruman has done. Okay. Yeah. Like those big words. I think it's just like, yeah. I mean, it's to show you like, oh, those people that were running away earlier, they've all now gathered in the same place. And there is hope. Yes. Because they didn't die on the road. This is an okay conversation between Aragorn, Theoden, and Gandalf, and Legolas. Oh, and Gimli there too, in case you forgot. Uh, I think its purpose is to show that many are denying Aragorn's image. Or denying what's going on in the world. Uh, with a secondary purpose of showing the stubbornness of Theoden in going to Helm's Deep. So you have Aragorn's lineage being brought up again. Yeah. And Theoden going, listen, you ain't no king. I'm the king. I do what I want. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Wh- and wow, Gandalf is pretty being pretty specific as to when he'll show up again. 
Is this well, the first time he's ever given a specific say. time? I thought wizards come and go as they please. That's what everybody <laughs> was pissed off, but that was Gandalf the Grey. Maybe Gandalf the White is more punctual. Gandalf the White has a watch. When, you, when, well, you're, when well. you're given more powers, you more with They've great power. Been punctual. Great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Same movie. Um, <laughs> Gandalf leaves to find Aramir and Rohirrim, promising to return within five days as a strong attraction draws... Eowyn to Aragorn during the journey of Helm's Deep. Wormtongue flees to the Orthanic and tells Saruman of Rohan, breaking from their grip. Saruman then decides to destroy Rohan. Yes. Uh, like he wasn't going to do it anyway. Wormtongue is the perfect name for this character, but why didn't Theoda just kill him? Because he kills him. This isn't a problem. Grace. Pity. Pity, yeah. yeah. It is pity that stayed built. It's pity that keeps up this world. It is oh, pity that stayed. <laughs> Boo, you that's, whore. That's two to him. I've only done one. I I'm only dropped saying. one F-bomb, haven't I? That's your second one. It is? Yes. Gosh. In Athelion, Smeagol battles his split personality. Amazing scene. Mm -hmm. In an attempt to befriend Frodo and Sam and ultimately banishes Gollum, his evil half. Stupid the two Faramir. hobbits are witness <laughs> to an ambush of Southrons, or Southerners now, I don't know, but are taken captive by the soldiers of Gondor. Door. Now we're there. Sam isn't perfect. He's quite condescending in this scene. As is Faramir. I would be too if I was taken from my home for something I don't really have anything to do with. Yeah. In one way, I like this because it Trimming shows... Trimming the verge, would you? He's not just the embodiment of hope. In other way, I hate it because I want Sam to be the strongest in his character values as they are the uncorrupted version of the pair. Okay. But maybe even those who are sweet and genuine can do evil, not nice things like be mean to Schmeagol when... This is the time where maybe had you shown Smeagol pity and not thrown him by his throat up against walls, he wouldn't have taken you to Shelob's lair. Frodo's change is gradual through these films, and I'm curious why Bilbo didn't go through the same change to the Hobbit. All right, so the Hobbit, okay. the Hobbit is one year. One year, okay. The Hobbit is one year. Yeah. And I'm now looking okay. at Lord of the Rings. Also, while we're talking about this, uh, I could watch 30 more minutes of Gollum talking to himself. Oh, yeah. No, this, this scene should deserved an award if it did. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. I love this. <laughs> not this, listening. Not listening. <laughs> this is such like a good scene that like paints the picture of people that like anybody that uh, battles with anything that they feel like holds them back or holds them down. It's like you know you sometimes you like can't control it or the thoughts that come over you and eventually you just get to the point where you're like like get out of my life like go whether it's a person or not or if it's just a personal struggle or whatever it may be that's what i like about this scene is because like everyone at some point to some like small degrees been like i'm tired of this and, and like, i'm ready for something new this has had a grasp over my life for too long and it's juxtaposed with it with the opposite effect because you have frodo turning and Gollum banishing mm -hmm. the evil so Gollum is stronger at this point yeah and frodo is weaker yeah so well, yeah because Gollum's no longer i mean he just not in possession of the ring, mm -hmm. but he had it for long enough to where it destroyed him. And Happy Smeagol is pretty fun to have around. I love Smeagol. <laughs> I absolutely love Smeagol. Uh, Sam Stew looks great. Every time I see it, I'm just, I just what get hungry. What is it doing? On top of gardening, Frodo should hire him as his private chef. What is it doing? I hate the name Oliphants. It has always bothered me. Oliphants. What Oliphants? Part? I like the Oliphants. Just call them elephants. <laughs> They're not, nice. though. They're they all are. They're not. <laughs> they have more tusks. <laughs> and Faramir got there pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you know, I'll give you that one, Joe, because what? Out of every ridiculous name he comes up 
Oliphant. <laughs> I mean, we've got languages that he created, and it's like, <laughs> hey, the things look like an elephant. Damn it. Um, elephant? Oliphant? You nailed it. <laughs> you, named it ja- you nailed it, James. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, so the movie is one year. The In book, theatrical time. How long is the extended the, version? The, the book... <laughs> The book, The Hobbit, is only a couple months. Okay, but the movie <laughs> takes place over a year. The movie takes place over a year. So, okay. I can't find the movie for Lord of the Rings, but the book, Lord of the Rings, is a full year. Okay. Three, 3018 to 3019. Okay. Mar- March of 3018, it starts, and then November of 3019 is when Bilbo returns back to the Battle of Bywater. Okay. There are so nearly as as- 18 years between Frodo inheriting the ring and its destruction. Where'd you find that? I Googled it. October 20th, 3018, the hobbits and Aragorn arrive at Rivendell. Yeah. And what year is Frodo it? Frodo had to leave six months from them, actually. A year went by between Gandalf leaving the Shire and then coming back to the Shire. <laughs> I'm just going, this is it's like the Tolkien. Tolkien timelines, everybody. It is, it is a tangled web. <laughs> so a bit under a year after they knew Frodo had to leave, six months from them actually leaving, but nearly 18 years. I don't know. I'll look it up later. We'll put it on Instagram. Meanwhile, uh-huh. along the journey to Helm's Deep, Eowyn becomes more attracted to Aragorn. Okay. Obviously. Gimli talking about dwarf women is great. Gimli's purpose in this film is merely humor, and I'm okay with that. Didn't He's we the kind say of that already? What? Didn't you say that already? I alluded to it earlier, but we're now halfway through the film. It hasn't changed. This <laughs> scene paused. feels misplaced in the film. And what I'm talking about is a scene with Aragorn and Arwen, the flashback. It feels misplaced, unless it's to show Aragorn... Only has eyes for Arwen and is using her memory and personality to rationalize what path to take as Aragorn. Yes. Okay. JC, explain the necklace. Does it have supernatural qualities? I actually always thought it did. I always thought that the necklace held like Arwen's essence of immortality Mm -hmm. and she gave it to Aragorn to kind of protect him. But I was wrong. Apparently it's not. It was created by one of the Valar and given to Galadriel. And Galadriel is given this beautiful necklace and the Valar say, "Uh, hold on to this, but you don't get to keep it. Like, imagine how Galadriel felt. Like, no, I don't get to keep this necklace. Yeah. Um, And it was essentially supposed to be given to the man who would, or I shouldn't say man, the person who would be called Elisar. All right. Well, Elisar ends up being, ding, da, ding, ding, spoiler, Aragorn. Ah, so, son of a so, gun. Guy's got three names. Because he is. That, <laughs> as a kid, <laughs> as a kid who did not watch the movie and had a piss poor attention span, when I found out that Legolas <laughs> and Strider. And all these people were the same person? No, no. Legolas is Aragorn. Not sorry, Aragorn. Sorry. Aragorn, Strider. Sorry, I'm reading. <laughs> when I found out that Aragorn, Strider, and he, oh, I was so sad. Not oh, like sad, but I felt dumb. Like, yeah. I, maybe I should just read. Is, is taking a ship to the West like going to heaven? Uh, yes. Okay. Go, going to the, the, the old adage, the undying a trip lands. to the West is going to the undying lands, which is heaven. This is how many names Aragorn has. Aragorn, <laughs> Aragorn the second, two, Elisar, three, Strider, Thorongril, which is his real, elven name. It's not a real name. <laughs> three and a half. Three and a half. He's got half a name. <laughs> you don't like Thorongril? I, I can't even. I couldn't say it back to you if I tried. Elrond isn't happy about losing his daughter to mortality. What father would be? 
I don't want my. This daughter isn't a to race die. thing. This is a death thing. <laughs> this is a daddy thing. You don't mess with daddies. So, yeah. so Arwen did daddy. leave to the Undying Lands. Gotcha. So Aragorn is single. Elwin, get on that. Dun, 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 dun. Hmm. When the travelers are attacked by Saruman's wargs and the orc riders, an unhappy Eowyn is tasked with seeing the people of Edoras safely to Helm's Deep. During the battle, Aragorn is dragged by a warg and falls off of a cliff into a raging river as the grief-stricken survivors reluctantly move on to the fortress. Good, Dead. Good scene, not as good as Gandalf falling down the bridge. No. No. But it was it was still another good like the first time I saw it again I hadn't read the book yet I'm like seriously this shit again <laughs> <laughs> did anyone here think that Aragorn was dead though no I didn't yeah because no, they didn't but... give it the time afterwards of the grieving process they just moved on to the next scene uh, how come these wargs look better nearly a decade before we see them again they don't look better than the Hobbit ones they do look better or is it just the shiny film gloss that's over the whole thing well that's what I'm saying maybe that's why well it's not. Well, it is Peter Jackson's fault, but he didn't know how the digital was going to react. I didn't know that medicine was going to give me a rash joke. Come on. <laughs> how did the orc get the necklace? Etsy. I missed that. Oh. oh, whenever he goes off the edge, yeah. he he is grabbing at him, too. Okay. And so he pulled it off of Aragorn as he fell over the edge. Helm's Deep looks pretty cool. If you haven't seen Minas Tirith yet. Big, <laughs> big, uh, big spire. Right there. Uh, a unicorn horn? <laughs> it all comes back I mean, to the unicorn. I mean, it's, it's deep. It's uh, deep down there. Nice. You know Aragorn's alive because they really don't do much with the loss like they did with Gandalf. Then again, you couldn't do it again because it would look derivative. Spell that three times. Not even once. Because in Isengard, Saruman reveals his huge army to Wormtongue. Because Wormtongue's like, yeah, but you can't like have an army that big. They're and, right outside the damn window! And Saruman's like... Hey, maybe he hasn't looked outside yet. Yeah, I've, I've been how... home for two days, and I haven't looked out my guest bedroom window yet. That's a very good argument. <laughs> um, and sends from outside. <laughs> it's really high up. Maybe, it, maybe it's made with stone. I mean, that's very good soundproofing. Well, the <laughs> army that's there, Saruman says, hey, you're going to go to a war in Helm's Deep. Catch you later. And then that's what they do. And he sends everybody. Like he's All got of them. nobody to protect him. I wouldn't want him, I wouldn't want one of them around. No. That's true. Helm's Deep has a small exhaust port. I wonder where George Lucas got his idea for the exhaust port. Mary and Pippin, in case you've forgotten about them, are in the company of Treebeard and realize the war is starting upon seeing the army of Urukai in the distance. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, Keep going. Dun. In Rohan, Aragorn washes up on the river's edge and is nudged back to consciousness by his horse, Brago. Brago? Mm-hmm. Brago. Good, Good name, sure. He Battered and undaunted, he rides to Helm's Deep. Did y'all see the video of that uh, golden retriever saving that baby deer? Yes. That was pretty cool. Just like That was just like Lord of the Rings. Um... <laughs> And in Rivendell, Elrond knows that the Age of Elves is ending and convinces Arwen that it is hopeless to stay and that she should leave for the Grey Havens. (gasps) Right? Elrond shows her a prophetic vision and that if she waits for Aragorn, even if he succeeds in destroying Sauron and becomes King of Gondor, he will succumb to mortality. Arwen will suffer grievously once he is dead and will be left to wither away. She reluctantly agrees to leave. Did she not think that was going to happen the whole time? Well, that's that is. We might not have. That's, that's a film thing. That's oh. acting. But oh. that's why I always assumed the necklace was her giving her immortality away, so that she could right. grow old with him. Uh, I got you. Uh, this is a great ethical scene. If you were Elrond, would you do the same thing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yol. Yes, JC said yes. I'll say yes. 
in going, you're always going to protect your kid over the kid's spouse. You always care more about your blood than yeah, absolutely. But it's you're saying stick with us, don't deal with love. Oh, see, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying I understand. She's saying I love him, and he's going go with your people. No, see, I don't read it as that. I read it as you're my daughter. I'm selfishly going to guilt trip you into going with me because I selfishly don't want to see you die. I see it as a daddy daughter thing. I don't see it as a like you're not good enough for him and you need to stay with your people thing. And see, that's I the- see it as a I know what's going to happen to you and I want you to live forever with me in the Grey Havens. I selfishly want you to stay with me. Mm-hmm. And on a similar a similar wavelength, that's how I see Sam's relationship with Frodo and his distr- distrust for. Gollum. Yeah. He's yeah. trying to protect him as a friend and he knows I mean, yeah. You, you're you overcompensate sometimes. You exaggerate your emotions because you don't want I your want friends to my be hurt. son to live with me forever because I love him, but at some point my son will have to leave the house and go off and live his own life. But if your son That's literally what this found is the mirroring. love of his life, wouldn't you want him to go, you know what? Go and be happy. It's easy to say that and Elrond eventually Becomes fine with it. Elrond yes. eventually is fine Spoilers. with it. But every father, mother, parent has to go through that. And the initial reaction is, hell yeah, I'm going to undermine the... Before they're actually married, before like there's anything I'm really... I'm not an asshole as long as they're not married. So yeah, I'm going to guilt trip her into staying with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In going to the Undying Lands as a group, isn't this a mass suicide? No. Oh. If, if they're going to heaven... The time of the elves is over. So they're dying. On Middle Earth, yes. Them physically, no. <laughs> Can you explain that, please? Yes, they leave. They change planes of existence. They're going back to the Valar. What's the Valar? The Valar is the people that made all of this. Yes. So think of it as they don't actually die. Like in in humanity, we have these beliefs that when you die, you go to uh, Valhalla or you go to heaven or you go to these places, but you have to die first. Okay. In Middle Earth, that's not necessarily the case. You don't have to die first. And so these... He's these, got concept art of the Valar over here. Yeah, these guys are um, just going... They're essentially traveling to the Grey Havens to live for eternity. Okay. And so the idea is... Sounds yes, pretty good. Yeah, yes, they're leaving... They'll never be seen from again, but they're also not dying. It's why they're called the Undying Lands. If they go together. So it's the end of the time of the elves, but no, they're not committing mass suicide because they don't have to die to get there. They literally just have to go. They have to to choose to leave, but of course, in leaving, they're making the choice to give up Middle-earth because the elves have been the protectors of Middle-earth. Galadriel is here really just for exposition. Uh, You need this, though, because of the density of the source material. (laughs) Yeah, this scene is. I don't ha- remember Galadriel speaking at all in the extended edition. Well, this scene is happening. What if they do different? Like I hardly notice her too. Just yeah. over halfway through the second film. Week. It's just over halfway in the second film. If you were to make these three movies into two movies, then this moment would probably be the beginning of the second film, leading to Return of the King. It's a mini prologue. But they wouldn't have made as much money with just two movies. No, they wouldn't have. Just nope. Because they made a lot of money on this one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, That's the Hobbit in the three movies. That's a good meanwhile, idea. it was a great idea. I enjoyed it. <laughs> meanwhile, back in Gondor, Frodo and Sam are taken to Hineth Enun and brought before Faramir, where they learn their captor is the younger brother of Boromir. Smeagol alluded to the eluded capture, and in order to save his life, is lured unknowingly into a trap by Frodo. 
bringing back his Gollum alter ego. Faramir learns of the One Ring and, seeking to prove his worth to his father, decides the ring shall go to Gondor. Favorite scene, whole movie. Is it really? It makes me laugh out loud every time. Every time, <laughs> every time Gollum is singing that song, fish is and he just like, and he just like leans over and smacks the fish <laughs> on the rock, and then rears back up and smashes the fish on the rock, all while singing, it "Only is. wish to catch a fish so juicy sweet." <laughs> I forgot that Frodo never witnessed the death of Boromir. No, he didn't. In fact, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't mentioned it any of the other people in the Fellowship, including his fellow hobbits. Because he has his mission, and if he if he thinks about the other people, it just makes it that much harder. He misses them that much more, and he longs for them that much more. Faramir is not good at questioning people. <laughs> he what just he beats mean? the shit out of humans and beats people. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. But hasn't he kind of been beaten and verbally beaten his whole life? Yeah. Look at how he's treated by his father, so does he know any different? Yeah. Uh, he does? The qu- No, I'm saying, yeah, I agree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, does he know any difference? Yeah. What? <laughs> well, he shows mercy to Frodo and all them. After he yelled and screamed at him. Right. Uh, the quote, I told you he was Trixie. Welcome back, bad Gollum. <laughs> oh, I, I told it. you he was Trixie. <laughs> God, I hate that split, split person. I yeah, love split it. Person. Sam suggests Frodo use the ring to escape out of Faramir's captivity. Frodo acknowledges the ring is taking him. So Frodo finally says it. I can't use it anymore. Yeah, And Sam begging Faramir for help. But Faramir wants to go to Gondor. What a douchebag. Did you know, it wasn't put in the movie, but in this where they're doing that whole thing and and, uh, Sam is begging Faramir for help, they shot a scene of Frodo looking like Gollum with the giant eyes, with the hair gone and everything. Like He turned into Gollum. And it was supposed to be just like a, a flash, like you know how they did when Bilbo saw yeah, Sting yeah. for the yes. first time, and you see that flash of anger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what it was supposed to be, and they took it out of the film. It's, but I'm glad. it's in but, the extended, right? No, it's not. It's in just appendices. in the making of. Okay. It's in the p- appendices. Yeah. But Frodo looked really creepy, and it was supposed to, uh, like, that was going to be the shock that Faramir saw to be like, holy cow, this one ring isn't a good thing. But they didn't want it to be. They chose not to do it, not to show Frodo going bad because of the one ring. They wanted to make Faramir look stronger, so they made it like he came up with the decision on his own. And it gives him a reason to bring it back to Gondor because if he sees it's bad, he's not going to bring it back to Gondor. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. On his way to Helm's Deep, Aragorn passes Saruman's army of Urukai, which number at least ten thousand strong. Bye, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> see you. Uh, his arrival I'm gonna is. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I may kill you. His arrival is met with relief, but is short-lived when the news that there are only 300 men in the stronghold... Hey, 300 stole. There was a thousand in the uh, book. (laughs) He counsels Theoden... And he already had Underreal. He counsels Theoden to send for aid, but his pleas fall on deaf and despairing ears. Aragorn opening these doors is iconic. Yeah, I can see like, okay, how, what do we want to start with the trailer? Start with him opening the doors. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, Gimli needs more to do in this film besides offset the tone. He needs more to do. I feel like they're just using him for one thing at this point. But later, we'll see that they use him for something else. Eowyn uh, uh, sees Legolas, gives Aragorn Arwen's necklace and realizes sloppy seconds just isn't the same. Nope. But they, it's okay. She'll find Faramir later. <laughs> Wait, <Spoilers>. what? <laughs> they end up together? Did you read the book? 
in the movies. It's podcast. Oh yeah, they do in the movies alert. too. Yeah. Uh, Theoden started off as a character I thought I was supposed to like, but since he grieved for his son, I'm not liking this character very much. No, I never liked. He's him. making bad decision after bad decision. I don't trust. Is he humans. making bad decisions or is he making the only realistic decision he has? And then he says. If this is to be our end, then I would have them make such an end so as to be worthy of remembrance. And I was like, thank you. The leader is back. <laughs> that is a good quote. Because at that point, you realize he's trying to put on a show for the men. He knows they're screwed. Yeah. That's an amazing line right there. I love that line. At Fanghorn Forest, Treebeard and the other Ents with Merry and Pippin along for the ride hold a council to decide on the role of the Ents in the war with Saruman. It's not a council. It's an Entmoot. Entmoot. An Ent- entity, you will? Entmoot. Ent. It's a moot point to not it's like a include cow's opinion. Entmoot. It's moo. Moo? It's moo. <laughs> now I want milk. Every time the Ents are on the screen, I get sleepier and sleepier. <laughs> That horn, man. Do the Ents have to move and talk so slowly? Yes. Why are they discussing this? There's really no no discussion in the book. Treebird is pissed, wants to go to war. Done. No. And I put down pacing problem. I'd rather stick with Helm's Deep and watch the possible final hours of man. They. Oh, my God. It's like having the Sloth (laughs) and Zootopia on your show. No. Back at Helm's Deep. <laughs> I wanted to let you finish. Every male old enough to hold a sword is called to service, and the women fall back into the fortress. See? Not the, not a, what is the word I used earlier? Movement. The, the women's rights activists. I don't know. See? Otherwise, all the women would be fighting. Um, that or it's chivalry. I don't know. Or maybe we're just not supposed to look into that at all. Because back at Helm's Deep, every male old enough to hold a sword is called to service, and the women fall back into the fortress. Night falls, the defenders are ready for attack. Then, in the midst of despair, a battalion of elven archers from Lorien, held by Haldir, right? Yep. Arrives to assist in the ensuing battle. Don't care for Haldir's face. Never <laughs> happened in the books, but I really like it. And they go through a whole thing of why they did it in the movie. Mm-hmm. I actually really like this scene in the I movie. I like the scene. I don't believe that he is an actual like warrior. Haldir? Yeah. He's, he's badass, dude. He looks soft. <laughs> and Legolas does Who it? looks tougher, Thranduil or him? Thranduil was Lee Pace from the Hobbit movies. Thranduil, because he looks older. 300 versus 10,000. Was Tolkien inspired by the Spartans? Sure. I almost wish this battle was not in this film. What? Because it should have happened earlier in the story, actually. That's I like get why experience. it's in this film at this point. You need a big climax to make the second movie in a trilogy. Feel like a complete film with the beginning, middle, and end. But, but it this, happened in the second book. It happens at the beginning. Okay. Helm's Deep happens at the beginning of the Two Towers. No. Be- yes, because I read it last night. <laughs> but but remember, like I know it's book three and book four, but book three and book four are actually happening at the same time. You have so to- the time of Helm's Deep is around the same time that Frodo and them are running into Faramir. I'm saying it's a good thing. Okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Okay. Because this movie, if you have it in the way that the book is presented, you do not have a beginning, middle, and end. Speaking of the defenders, they wait on the walls <laughs> oh, as Luke Cage. What? No, you know the defenders, the elves, and the humans, and oh Gimli uh, wait on the walls as lightning reveals Saruman's massive army. <gasps> in pouring rain, an old man on the wall accidentally lets loose an arrow, killing it. Rook. How? It, it's like, whose arrow was that? The old man's. But here's the thing: like, you have some of the best. I mean, I get it. Like. There are unwritten rules to war, I guess, back then. <laughs> but, like, why don't you have the master archers just, like, sniping them off in the distance? Because it's only so many arrows. I mean, yeah, that's fair, I guess. 
and of course it starts re- raining. Re- Tie a string to them. Realistically, them archers carried anywhere from forty to sixty arrows. So if you have two hundred archers and they only hit maybe twenty five percent of their shots. Because, again, they're shooting into the night. They can't shoot that accurately with them. There's a few things I love about this scene, and that's that the we lightning flashes. That. You right. see the, the lightning flashes. You see the army. And then what does it do? It starts raining. <laughs> and the look on Bernard Hill's face when it starts falling, I'm like, really? <laughs> uh, Gimli, stop cracking jokes for just a second. Doing 1,000. <laughs> Doesn't he do the, like, I can't see. <laughs> Would you like me to get you a box? So I can describe it to you. <laughs> he says, I could describe it to you. Would you like me to get you a box? <laughs> okay. I'm, I fully believe that there are soldiers that definitely like have to make light of situations just to like survive Let's in the be honest. realms where they are. I am the Gimli. I'm just here. Oh, to, you are our Gimli. I'm just here to try to be funny even when I'm not, but I'm still having fun trying. I'm just saying <laughs> that if they, have, they have marketed this in this movie so far to a point that this is the end of man. The end. Maybe it's time to not take something so lightly. But how depressing would it be? How depressing and truly loss of hope would it be if that one person you always knew was funny, that one person you could always go to for a good time, suddenly you are at your lowest point. You need that that lift up. And you go to that person, and they're depressed. Mm -hmm. And they're down in the dumps. Not depressed. Serious. Then what do you instantly feel? Um. The Battle of Helm's Deep begins with a flurry of arrows, both human and elven archers cutting down dozens of Urukai. Scaling ladders are placed upon the deeping... Ladders go up against the wall, and the <laughs> Urukai swarm to engage the defenders. Doing the scene at night, in the rain, helps with any CGI problems they could have had. It does. It also was apparently hell for the actors. Oh, God. Can you imagine how cold that was? Yeah, I, I think I had mentioned it before, but they actually made T-shirts. I survived Helm's Deep. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they filmed this for like three weeks, I think, and it was just like you were in rain. Yeah. They had like rain machines. Jeez. So three weeks straight of just being shot in the rain. Those elvish, <laughs> arrow, with arrows. those elvish arrows are just missing the people on the wall. Accuracy is definitely a welcome commodity from the elves. <laughs> there you go. Was that a Wilhelm scream? It was. Okay. <laughs> ah! And That's Gimli and Legolas making it a game is interesting. I don't know if I'd be making jokes. I would be, given oh, the stakes at hand. But it's, I, I, I will say this. I don't like it, but I like it. I'm entertained by it. Oh, I love, I love the tally. I would totally, totally be keeping tally. And I would have way more than Joel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this was actually a big... <laughs> Sorry. Um, No, this was actually like a big scene that a lot of my friends liked when they were kids. Because, you know, when you're a child, you don't necessarily take it all in. But the one thing that they took away when you get older was they're like, oh, man, when I was little, I loved the elf and the dwarf. They were like keeping score against each other. Because it also shows like I like that it shows that over time, like more has been become bonded between two different groups that hated each other. Yeah. And so I love that it shows that they're actually like forgetting the past and that what happened in the Hobbit is kind of being forgotten. Plus you're about to die. So, you know, who gives a fudge? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Back at the Intish council, Mary and Pippin become frustrated by the slow progress. Oh, for God's sake, pacing. You can't rev us up and then take us back to Treebeard. There's going to rev him up again. He revved him up. I like that. Well, nice wordplay. Touch it. No, we're going to go back to it again in a second. Nice. Back to Helm's Deep. We're there again. The (laughs) defenses are slowly being breached, and the enemy manages to breach the wall through its sewer drain. 
which the treacherous Wormtongue told Saruman of, using a rudimentary explosive device created by the wizard. Despite Aragorn and Gimli's best efforts, the Urkai managed to penetrate the main gate nice, and soon the stronghold is overrun. Anyone else hear the Olympic music when you see the orc running with the torch? And Legolas surfing on a shield downstairs? No. No. In Fanghorn, Treebeard and the other Ents have decided not to have any involvement in the war. Stop going back to Treebeard! We Pacing! Said <laughs> no. Then I got frustrated, and I wrote no notes after that. I was like, I'm done with him. <laughs> in the midst of battle, Haldir is slain, and the few remaining elves <laughs> fall back into the keep. The, in the Hornburg, the Uruks have scaled the walls and have breached the gate, forcing the defenders to also retreat into the keep. Frustrated further by the Ents' decision to not participate in the war, Pippin cleverly takes Treebeard to the section of Fanghorn Forest near Isengard that Saruman has decimated to build the forges necessary to make weapons for his army. <gasps> Treebeard is filled with rage and at wow. Saruman's betrayal and commands all the Ents to seek vengeance. Now, what's cool they is... They gather and embark upon the last march of the Ents towards Isengard. JC. Just wait till the paragraph's over. (laughs) I know, but I have thoughts and I speak them when I think them. Hey, if I'm on a roll where I'm reading stuff correctly, it's best just let it be. Let it be. Let it be. JC, go for it. I forget my point. (laughs) It was literally one sentence later. (laughs) Um, I honestly do. It had something to do with being filled with rage. Oh, he! Uh, I, I love what he does—the like giant bellow and screams. Cause as Joe has illustrated through the grunts in his voice boxes coming through the microphone pieces, ants usually do things really slow. But in that one big scream, all of a sudden, all the ants come out. Like they can do something quickly if they need to. And it's just cool that that one big scream was like, "Dude, it's on!" And then they just go destroy. Yeah, Pippin, <clears throat> you finally did something of worth that didn't hurt the group. Good job. <laughs> true but ouch it's true though because we talked about in the first movie he's just like you were keeping a tally as to who was screwing things up the most for him yeah, it was pippin yeah no mary mary one uh honestly their faces burn together to me uh not gonna lie these trees are very well designed but after seeing guardian of the galaxy all i see is an army of groots <laughs> pippin Pippin screwed up more ah uh, there we go pippin was atrocious he was not fun to have around which is probably why they Ditched him. Uh, frustrated further by the Ents' decision not to participate in war. Did I just read that? Nope. You're at, at the ruins of Osgiliath. No, that's what I said. I've read this before. <laughs> at the ruins of Osgiliath, Faramir talks of sending his father a great gift, the ring, to be used as a weapon that will help win the war. Sam tells him that the ring is the one that drove Boromir to madness and dishonor. In the distance, they hear one of the Nazgul approaching on his dragon. Nazgul! I haven't seen one of those in a minute. I love Sam at this point. Sam might be my favorite character in the series so far. Mm. And I'm sorry, Nazgul on a horse is scary. Nazgul on a friggin' dragon? Fell beast. Hell no. She's more dragons. Fell beast. Meanwhile, as the keep is now under attack, and remembering <laughs> Gandalf's words before he departed of looking for him at the dawn of the fifth day, <laughs> Aragorn and the rest make one last gallant ride on horseback to attack the Urukai army. In the desperate bid to end. allow the... What, say, JC? I just said I will make such an end. Yeah, but what's, what am I trying to read right now? I, I don't know. I was exactly. paying attention. In a desperate <laughs> bid to allow the... 
This Rohe- is the word I messed Rohe- up Rohe- a lot. Rohirrim. Messed that one up earlier. The Rohirrim women and children to escape into the caves behind the keep. As the riders are surrounded and all seems lost, Aragorn looks up to see Gandalf at the top of the tall hill before the fortress. With him are Aramir, Aomir, 2,000 riders of the Rohirrim, and they descend. And they descend. As they descend. As they descend. The sun rises over the mighty hill, blinding the Uruk army. This is the moment when Aragorn decides to take a path that leads him to be king. Being king. He inspires Theoden one last time, and Aragorn is more confident than ever before. The angels are singing. You have to suspend belief that they'd survive on that platform. Just go with it. Just go with it. Hallelujah. Welcome back, Eomir. Hallelujah. And this is a visually splendid shot of Gandalf leading the charge against the Urukai. Hallelujah. 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 I think we've lost JC for the rest of the show. <laughs> Speaking of elsewhere, <laughs> the Ents also attack Isengard, tossing stones and rocks while collapsing a dam to flood its surroundings and destroy the system of tunnels and foundries beneath it, while Saruman looks on frantically from his tower. <gasps> what's, what's happening? When what's it comes happening? to fighting, Ents are pretty badass, but the hobbits are nothing more than Ewoks. <laughs> Pebble. Pebble. <laughs> Pebble. It's big pebbles, though. Yeah. Well, they're no, bigger now. No, the, the hobbits. The hobbits are throwing what, like, are pebbles. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Um, back in Osgiliath. Os- Osgiliath, thank you. The hobbits are confronted by a ring wraith and its fell beast. Which, with the help of Sam and Faramir's well-aimed arrow, Frodo, who is feeling more and more the pull of the ring, narrowly escapes the ring wraith's efforts to capture him. Frodo staying in front of the ring wraiths uh, is awesome. I wish Rogue One had used the TIE fighter shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam to the rescue. Seriously, give this guy a medal of friendship already. Is that better than a medal of honor? It is. I want a medal of friendship. Frodo, WTF. I'll, I'll find you one guy. Yes. How lucky is it that Sam was gardening that night? Seriously. I mean, he had to trim the verge. <laughs> As we watch the army in Helm's Deep (laughs) rout the evil army and the Ents succeed in demolishing Isengard, Sam narrates how the story must go on, and they must finish their quest regardless of the danger, because they're still good in the world, and and it's worth fighting for. Faramir hears and decides to free them. That is a great speech. Sam's speech is great. I love it. Mm-hmm. I I can't even make a joke or anything pithy because it's just it's a great speech. Every Google it, like go YouTube it right now. It's fantastic. Sam's speech, it's good. It's the highlighted of all three of, films. Uh, well, I was saying of this film, uh, I like. Yeah, I mean, there's really good speeches in Return of the King, mm-hmm. but that's just a great speech that sums up all three movies really good. Yeah, I it's great. Really good. That was my English. Real really good. good. Real good. I don't like that they decided to put Gollum with an earshot of it. Gollum has decided to go back to his dual personality. This scene, this speech, would have given him the strength to fight that again for good. But they put him with an earshot. I think just to get one last look at Gollum, I don't think he should have been there, though. I think he should have been off to the side someplace, maybe dealing with his own issues. Because uh, him being an earshot, if it's going to change Faramir, you would think it would change Gollum also. Maybe, yeah. That, at least that's how I was thinking of it. Yeah, I could be I reading it wrong about it, it but... Uh, Gandalf and the others now admit a full war is inevitable, as Sauron will surely seek retribution for the defeat of Saruman. As their only hope rests with Frodo and Sam, who have resumed their journey to Mordor. Accompanying them once again and feeling betrayed after his mistreatment by Faramir's men, Gollum's darker nature returns and decides to reclaim the ring by leading Frodo and Sam to her. Samwise the Brave. Shelob. Frodo and Sam need this moment. 
And I can understand why sometimes their relationship can seem more than friendship. But even so, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? It is beautiful what these two guys have. Yeah. And it doesn't want friendship like that. Seriously. It is genuine. And that's why you don't appreciate it. You're scared of love. You need something to leave you on a high in this film. Something to give you you hope. Because you didn't get any South Farthing leave. What? How else do you get left on a high? Oh, so it is weed. That's what you said. Well, you're agreeing. Okay. And who is her? Quote, unquote, her. She She sounds like... She loved. We don't know that yet. She doesn't sound like a nice person, though. No. Tune in next week to spoiler alert. Yeah. You yell at me for that a lot. Who? You. I don't yell at anybody. Spoiler alert? You say the word spoiler alert after I speak many times. (laughs) It's because you're always spoiling for the next movie. (laughs) It's more of a comical thing. It's not a, hey, fix this. I like it. Anyways. I I don't edit it out. (laughs) Joe, what did you think after watching this film? I want to jump into Return of the King, like, now. Joel? I said, wow, that was a long battle scene. I don't know how many times I was like, man, what do I, what do I have to eat in the kitchen? And it's like, got up and was like, well, they're, I mean, they're going to fight. I'm going to go find food. But I do love this movie. No, I um, got a question. You say it's a long battle scene. What made it long for you? Because it's actually pretty short in comparison to the movie. How long is it, though? It's no longer than 25 minutes. He watches the extended edition, though. Not this time. Oh. Yeah. Battle of the Five Armies was one long fight. That's why I'm wondering why this one was boring for you. I, I mean... Just, I didn't say it was boring. I just said it was long. Okay, but the way that you said it inflected boring. No. That was one long battle scene. It but wasn't. I love this one. But I love this one, yeah. Okay. JC, what did you think of after watching this movie? <laughs> I liked it. I liked this movie. It was good. <laughs> Joe, you want to play a game? You didn't fill in anything here, by the way. <laughs> what you're going to hear from JC the rest of the time is all improv. So get your popcorn. <laughs> pop it. Because what you're about to hear is JC just off the cuff, raw, ready to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you do, JC. <laughs> Works. All right. Let's play a game of Did the Awards Get It Right? Academy Awards. It had six nominations, two wins. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture. Chicago won. I'm actually surprised um, Gangs of New York didn't win. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that, really good. That's a good. That's York. a good list. Uh, yeah, it's a, I would have rather or the pianist. I thought the pianist actually did win. It won for best actor. Uh, okay, so either the pianist or Gangs of War. I'm kind of surprised Chicago did, but it's good because I like musicals, so it gives validity to musicals. Yeah, well, that, and that's what I think. Anytime that the Academy sees a musical on board, they tend to jump really fast at it. Um, well, that would hurt. Well, yeah. Uh, best sound editing. It did win. Pianist. It did win for best sound editing. Over yeah. Minority Report and Road to Perdition, probably because there wasn't any like you know yeah. other war movies going out at the time. Because we talked about it before, military movies tend to win sound editing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, <laughs> best sound went to Chicago though. The songs are good. I I get that. Okay, that one makes sense. Um, Road to Perd. Uh, let's see. Best art direction. Chicago won. Again, this is what this is art? Is that I guess costumes, that's like costumes, makeup, yeah. The ensemble well, uh, then, No, that should have gone to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That, that surprises this me. This is where we see the musical yeah. <laughs> out of the Academy. That's what she said. Yeah. Or uh, he said. And then best, best film editing Someone for Chicago. And I kind of want to say yes for this because when you're mu- editing a musical, you have to edit every beat of the music. Yep. Yeah. And they nail it. Because if you don't, it's a half beat. And that's only half of the full. Yeah. Or that, twice a quarter. It actually makes quite a difference, <laughs> musically speaking. See, quite. 
Uh, uh, and then, quite. But it did win for best visual effects. It was up against Spider-Man and Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it, I think it wins. It wins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the Golden Globes had two nominations but didn't win any awards. Oh. Uh, the Hours won for best motion picture in a drama. And Best Director went to Scorsese for Gangs of New York. That makes sense. Which I, I can't deny no. Scorsese. Nope, I can't either. Um, but as for that list for Best Motion Picture, Lord of the Rings The Two Towers is good, but it's a good second film. It's not a good complete film. Uh, so I can see why they would put The Hours on there or over it, because The Hours is a beginning, middle, and end. So I think any film that's the second film in the series is going to kind of get the back end of awards, if you will. It's just not all the way there. You know, um, all right. <clears throat> On to our next segment titled "Top Three, Bottom Three. This is where we pick our top three things we love or scenes we like in this movie, and then we choose three things we dislike about the film and/or that we find the weakest. Let's start with the top three. Joel, what are your top three things that you want to highlight in this film? Now, now that I'm hearing this, this makes sense. What you said to me the other day. That's I, I thought we were just still saying what our likes. Oh, I, just, <laughs> I described him like what we're doing, like the game top three, bottom three. Um, Apparently, I was paying attention. <laughs> You could have just read it. <laughs> I could have, but I thought I knew it. Never mind. <laughs> so the top three things it's that your popcorn, I, kids. The top three things that I noticed this time through, um, obviously Gollum, number three. His interactions with Samwise, the scene battling with Smeagol is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. And the scene where he's singing and hitting the fish against the rock makes me laugh out loud every single time. It's easily probably... Those two are my favorite scenes in this movie. Um, this time through, surprisingly, my number two is Treebeard. Uh, many people, including my roommate, one don't like he isn't a big fan of this movie because he doesn't. He says there's too much Treebeard, um, and I get that. I really do. It's not a super like exciting part of the movie, but I'd really be interested to watch the appendices and find out like why they decided to add this in and why they didn't do this. But I mean, if that's where Mary and Pippin are in the film or in the book. You have to put it in the movie. Yep. And I don't think that they do too many scenes. I don't think that the scenes are too long. And I like the fact that, you know, you have, you're showing the humans where we talk about the kids we keep seeing over and over, which we, it refreshes saying, oh, our heroes are not the only ones being affected. Okay. Worm tongues people aren't the only people being affected in um, whatever that little realm is called. It's even the trees. It's even the kids it's reminds you that okay there are people that you know middle earth is shared between a bunch of people and i like that Treebeard says you know i'm on nobody's side because no one's on my side and so something about that slow talking slow walking tr bearded tree gets me now i'm not saying all time i'm not saying all time top three tree beard is in mine but watching it through this time for some reason i appreciated it a lot more and number one the dynamic between Legolas and Gimli is, in, in my opinion, a much needed and appropriate and necessary use of comic relief in a movie where you have nothing but information, break scene, information and background, break scene, information and background. Now, tie it all together. It's a mentally taxing movie. And so to every now and then get a laugh from Legolas and Gimli. And I talked about earlier, like I like the fact that it's showing that it is too... Uh, to, I don't know. I have no idea what you're trying to say. Two worlds, and that, your like, hand motions are oh, pulling two apart. races who two, have not yeah. liked each other. Yeah, like they've they've historically hated each other, and so to see that they're starting to like mend this bond, and that it can be like bring people together. But 
See, Predators fans and Penguins fans can get along. Some of them. And actually, no, I've never heard, I didn't hear anything bad about the fans' interactions. Um, but Gimli in general makes this movie for me. His facial expressions, the acting that Gimli has, because he doesn't play a big part, like Joe said. He has really no huge role in this movie. But he finds a way to make his nothing role noticed throughout the entire picture. Yeah. I wonder if those taste good nothing rolls. My number three is, <laughs> and this was on my list last time, the practical effects uh, still look good. Uh, they still creep me out. They are like even scarier this time uh, than in Fellowship. The orcs are scarier. The Urukai are scarier mm. this time. Uh, maybe it's because of the rain. Maybe it's because of the lighting. But there's something darker about them now. Uh, Aragorn, and my number two is Aragorn's journey to acceptance of his role as king. Uh, this movie in my eyes, is Aragorn's movie. It's not Frodo's. The, everything that happens in this, the flashbacks and all that, they are Aragorn's. They are not Frodo's. We're learning more about him. We're learning about his journey, his denial, his eventual acceptance of it. I love it. And finally, my number one, eh, Gollum. He's, I think he's being on all of our lists, uh, but Gollum is the centerpiece of this film when it comes to visual effects. It's what everybody was waiting for, and they got something beautiful at the time. I remember when Gollum accepted the MTV Movie Award. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, JC, what are your top three? <laughs> Number three is also Gollum. You got you to gotta give props to Gollum. Mm -hmm. Number two, Sam. I love Sam yeah. throughout this entire movie. There is not a bad scene with Sam in it. Yes. And my number one, the three-way throughout the whole film. You need you need to clear that up, dude. <laughs> so in Fellowship, you had one story. It was the story of the Fellowship. You knew in Two Towers these groups broke up. You have the Mary and Pippin story. You have the Sam and Frodo story, and then you have Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn. You have a three-way. You have three different stories all going on. Right. And this movie does a great job of making all three of those stories seem really important. And you start to see how they're going to set up like, okay, you need to see all three of those resolve. Well, what it's the, the thing that the middle film needs to do, make it its worst, make it sort of the, the darkest before the dawn. And you see these three sort of all splitting up and sort of what's going to happen to them. And I love how this film sort of gives credence to all three of those major storylines mm -hmm. going forward. That is really cool. <laughs> we thought I was going to be dirty. <laughs> You alluded. You were dirty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the bottom three. Clean it up, James. Time I'm, to vent. I'm sorry, Joel. What are your three bottoms? You know, I say like the final battle scene is super long. Like I really enjoy watching it. I really, it's, it's funny. Like I, I really do enjoy it. But for some reason, like I just check out. It's there's great stuff that happens. I've there are super memorable moments in it. But I, I honestly, I don't know why. I watched it through the second time, and I was just like, all right, I just, I've lost steam. Uh, it's very well done, but I check out. Can I say that it is easy to get battle-weary when mm. watching these films? Yep. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, number two, I mentioned it earlier. I don't believe that the leader of the elves is a legit warrior. <laughs> he's a he's victim of the bad face. Um, but when you mentioned, like, okay, does he... Where does he land with, what's his name from? Thronduil. Uh, Thronduil. I choose Thronduil. And the reason I do isn't because I think the Hobbit's more entertaining. It's because he looks older. Okay. And so when I see a leader of an army, I think experience 
and knowledge. And so you see Thranduil, and you see him in the past interacting with the elves, and you see his history with the greed, and so you get more emotion invested into him. This guy looks like he is 26. Now I get it. <laughs> elves don't age. They don't. But I'm just saying, and you, you're not going to get a lot of like cynical from me in the bottom three because it's like, well, I enjoyed the movie. If I have to pick something, yeah, it's you know, mine he, are all nitpicks. Honestly, he has a yeah. he has a super young face, and I was like, mm, I think you should have made that elf look older, like maybe I don't know, 29. Yeah, because I don't think the elves age past that, except for no, no, they go backwards because. Uh, Orlando Legolas Bloom Legolas looks, looks super younger. old in The Hobbit. Um, <laughs> and my number one on the bottom three is Gollum CGI is distracting. After watching The Hobbit, it's not that it's bad. It's amazing for the time. Yes. But times have changed. Um, but, but it is distracting because it's like, oh, man, if they could have done all of these scenes mm -hmm. with the technology that we have now. And I think we think of that a lot with Definitely. any older movie. Um, mm -hmm. But if that doesn't count because, you know, what well, they couldn't have done anything else. The Dead Marshes scene always throws me off. Really? Yeah. What does it throw you Creeps to? you out or? It's it, the only, in my opinion, the only, the only thing that it does for the movie is that it shows that Gollum is going to rescue uh, Frodo. Okay. It makes you trust Gollum for a little while. So its purpose is weak at best. Say that again? Its purpose of the scene is actually pretty weak compared to yeah. the length of the scene. Because I've missed the scene a few times and then one of the time that I actually saw it, I was like, oh. It didn't really do much for the movie, okay. except for show you that Gollum can be trusted because Gollum's the one that saves Frodo. It's not Sam. Yeah. They could have easily had Sam be the one that pulls him out because Sam saves him from everything. He's the Hermione of this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> this movie does not go forward if it's not for Sam. Yeah. Yep. Um, but Gollum's the one that pulls him out of the water. And it's not because he wants the ring. It's because there's some good in his heart. And so that in that it's itself validates it as a scene. But the whole scene to me is just a it's just a little little boring. Okay. All right. I for me my out of my 3 the only one I really have is my first my number 1. The the other two are just nitpicks honestly. My number 3 is if this is supposed to be the end of man I would prefer less joking around from Gimli and Legolas. But you're right. Without the joking around it's uber serious. And it's a slog to get through. You need those lighthearted moments. So and I, that's an uncomfortable ride in serious Uber. Uh, my number two was Eowyn scenes that feel like they're trying to send a message rather than further narrative. But again, that's a nitpick. It happens twice in the whole film. That's it. So, but my number one, the scenes with the Ents. Pippin and Mary are set aside in this film. And, and I, know, I know you're right. It, we do a good job of following a three-way and not in a dirty way. <laughs> we follow a three-way. But I think in doing so, you felt like, okay, we've got the Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli thing. We've got, this, uh, we've got the Frodo and Sam thing. What do we do with Pippin and Mary? Just have them sit there and listen to Trees talk. And the only thing that's resolved is that when they decide, okay, we're not going to do anything, Pippin has a great idea at the end of it. And it's like, okay. It just felt like the way that it was set in with breaking up the Helm's Deep War it's like you had war, 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 trees. War, maybe, war, 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 trees. Maybe that's the sandwich scene that JC's always talking about. The sandwich scene? Everyone needs it to break up. Every, every movie doesn't need it. It's that scene it. where you get up and you go get a sandwich. <laughs> but that's the thing. If it's, if it's I don't want to say if it's a good movie because it's a great movie. But good movies don't have you want to get up. Yeah, but for four hours? Your no, would fall for asleep. three hours, extended edition over there. <laughs> this so. is the theatrical. Yeah. If you're sitting in a theater, you don't want to sit there for four hours. 
Yeah, your feet would fall asleep. Yeah, you need an intermission. I've exactly. I've sat down in places before for about uh, 15 to 20 minutes, my feet have fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> JC, what are your three vents? It's time to go back to work. Um, So these are three things I don't like. Three things you don't like about this film. Three things I don't like. We already said that they could be nitpicks. Yeah, unfortunately, the only thing that I don't like is actually something I just complimented because whereas Joel was talking about how he can get tired with the battle scenes, it's the Sam Frodo Gollum scenes that I've, and it may be I've seen the movie so many times. Those are the scenes that if like I'm in a hurry, I will skip those. I'm like, I know what happens. I know what's said. I know what's great acting. Like, I no, can, no, 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 no. I think can, he's fasting because I'm I the can, opposite. So. I concede all of those points, but I think, like, yes, he. I know. I know what they're going to talk about. Skip. Right, and that's you watching it now. It, that's watching yeah. it now. Yeah. So same so, thing with me with the ends. I don't believe so, it's the ends of the. So best. if 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 you're asking me what are my bottom three, the very first time I saw this, I'd have said nothing. Nothing was my bottom three. But right now, this is probably time. Realistically, probably. At least the tenth time I've seen it, I could skip the the Frodo scenes. The ones that bother me the most are with Faramir, and I don't yeah. know why Faramir is a great character, but like that whole thing mm-hmm. that feels like it drags. Yes, okay. that is I that agree. is Honestly, where I could put that in my it really three. it really drags for me. Is like what the hell are we doing? I didn't even think about that, but you're right. That, yeah, that should that, be in my bottom three also. That whole but I, it was totally time. forgettable. It's so forgettable that we forgot to put it on our forgettable list. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's two, right. and so then my my. Most despicable, light not liking thing. It's just not long enough. No. <laughs> Four hours just is not enough. <laughs> I don't really like how easy it was to get read, but that's not my number one. I think my number one is the Faramir. So my number two that would be behind the Faramir okay. thing um, would be how quickly they got rid of Aomir. I felt like. You're yeah. just introduced to this character, and then he's banished. Now I understand why they had to do it, yeah. but like you, even in the extended edition, you get no backup. Like you don't even realize they're related until mm-hmm. later. You know he's related to Eowyn, right? But you don't know Eowyn's related to the king until like a half hour later. So you very much, as an audience member, have to piece Aomir's story together and that's annoying like yeah you're right you like they don't tell you enough about Aomir and then he's like saves the day at the end and you're like yay guy we saw for four minutes and 37 seconds it's, it's bones it's good to, it's, it's good funny. to see you back when you say Aomir the only thing I think of is I would cut your head off dwarf if it weren't so close to the ground <laughs> that's, that's my only memory yeah. of Aomir Yes. And literally, I think he is on the screen for like four minutes. Yeah. If you total up all of his time. I would not doubt that. He's the Boba Fett of this movie. Yeah. Who is the audience for this movie outside of the trace of us? Um, I think I've used this for every movie. Tolkien fans. Tolkien fans see every movie? They, I think the, Tolkien fans are who this movie is for. Oh, and so I've said they, it for every time. It's like, I mean, you can so say they kids. See, they don't see every movie. No, I'm saying this movie. But you just said. What? I put down people who loved. (laughs) Oh, I get it. People who loved (laughs) Fellowship of the Ring. If you don't like Fellowship, you won't like this. Very simple. Yeah, this is Middle Earth people. If if you don't, because this is a long judging movie and it's a movie of exposition. It's a movie of information. 
And if you don't like information about Middle of Earth, then yeah. You and it's also the shit. second movie. If you didn't see the first one, you're not going to know what the hell's going on. Nope. Hey, movie report card time. A, B, C, D, F in the epic fantasy film genre. Joe of L. This one's tough. Because chewy tough or like raw tough? Chewy. Chewy tough. Chewy tough. Um... Because now I was prepared to say A minus because it just doesn't hold my interest as an A movie should. Um, but I also don't want to give that into get into the buy it, Bennett, stream it because every scene is needed. Because you're you have to have each scene, yep. and I think that the, with the information that they're given, they do a great job. Um, if it's an A minus, I say it's because. As a complete movie, I don't know if it stands, but it does. I mean, you're introduced to the two towers, why it's bad, where they're going to take over, and at the end you have a resolution that has a story that goes further. So it was it was honestly going to be an A minus because I was like it doesn't really stand alone as a film by itself because you don't like love all the characters individually, but you kind of do. You you still get the attitudes and the personalities of each character it has a beginning middle and end and there's nothing in the movie that i don't think that uh, uh so i don't think scenes were done poorly mm-hmm. i don't think that lines were done poorly i think it's an a you give me an a i think so i mean because i can't thinks, find anything wrong with it he thinks it's an a so okay so it it's a perfect film i mean no film's perfect a a is as perfect as you can get for epic fantasy for an epic fantasy, yes, it's an A. Okay. Uh, Joe, not of L. Joe, not of L. <laughs> Joe of something else. Of Seth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to do this now without laughing. This movie has the unenviable task of not having a proper beginning nor a proper ending. True. After all, the books were supposed to be one tome, not three. So Jackson has to find a way to manufacture a beginning, middle, and end to a movie that was just the middle of a story. He does this in a way that may have hurt himself when it comes to the diehard Tolkien fans. He reorders elements of the source material in a way that is pleasing to the viewer's eyes and familiar to casual movie fans. After all, The Two Towers definitely has a battle at Helm's Deep, has an attack, has the Theoden and Wormtongue drama, has Frodo, Sam, and Gollum meeting up with Faramir, but it's all in a different order. If Jackson was going to do this right, he had to adopt a certain philosophy, which is that if my starting point can't change and my ending point can't change, I can still manipulate the middle and it won't take away from how we get to our destination. That's exactly what he did. In that way, Jackson does this masterfully. There are few hiccups here and there. The time with the Ents should not have been that long, or for that matter, broken up the Battle of Helm's Deep tonally the way it did. But overall, it continues the narrative. The main character in the film is Frodo. It's Aragorn. Yes, Frodo's the ring bearer, but this movie is more about Aragorn tackling his past and reconciling with who he is and what he should do. The beating heart of this film is Sam. I said this earlier, how lucky Frodo was that his gardener was eavesdropping that night. Whenever the audience needs a gasp of hope, Sam is there. Whenever the audience needs words of encouragement, Sam is there. Frodo is carried by Sam through this movie and quite literally in the next. Uh, But the crowning achievement in this film isn't the story, the direction, or the acting. It's Gollum. 
what a revelation this character has been in this movie industry. Nobody expected this to be something as good as it was. This movie relied more on Gollum working than any movie since Phantom Menace and Jar Jar Binks, who is the godfather of the mocap and blockbuster movies in my eyes. If Gollum didn't make you believe who he was and that he was real, this movie turns into a very sour second act. But Andy Serkis brings his game. Not only do you accept this character as real, but you also feel with the character whenever he feels. Andy Serkis will be honored by the Academy someday for his contribution to the medium of motion-captured performances. Hell, they may even name the award after him for what he's been able to do. But watching Gollum is like watching an iconic moment in movie history in the present time. The only problem in this movie is the pacing. Yes, I can say that Jackson manipulated the story to work more like an American movie audience would expect and claim that he has pacing problems. Remember, I'm not grading this for diehard Tolkien fans who think that a four-hour extended edition isn't enough. I'm grading this for the casual viewer. The pacing is an issue, but chances are, if you've gotten this far in the series, you don't dock at too many points for that. I'm giving the two towers an A-. minus, Almost perfect, but those damn ants screwed it up for me. JC? A-. minus. Anything you want to add to that? or It's a minus from an A. <laughs> Just nearly that's, perfect. That, that's some that's some solid analyzation you did there. All right. <laughs> if this movie's released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it, Joel? It's funny. Uh, oh, you want to add something? I was gonna read it because it's a JC. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. My original was I was gonna give it an A minus and say buy it, but I was getting my emotions and what I was looking for mixed up. I think it is a Bennett, although this is one of my favorite movies of the entire saga or the franchise, whatever it is you want to call it. Mm -hmm. It is, to me, the way I feel about it is a Bennett. I bought it when it was on sale, and I was like, this is a good price for how many times I'm going to watch this movie. It is not a movie that I go to to be glued to the screen. It is a grading paper movie or a cooking dinner movie, something that I kind of know what's going on. And that doesn't necessarily, even though it needs your full attention, I've seen it enough to where it doesn't need my full attention. So it's a, but I don't get overly excited for it because you do have to really pay attention. <laughs> I've been it. Okay. I put been it because I thought to myself, if I'm buying just this movie alone, would I buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, forget about it? I would bin it. It would still be a bin it for me because it's still a fantastic movie from beginning, middle to end. And that's, that's hard to do in a second act. I wouldn't just buy Empire by itself, but this movie I would buy by itself. Yeah. So I'm going to say that uh, I didn't find it as enjoyable as Fellowship, even with... <laughs> even with... Got JC, go! <laughs> I was just going to say buy the extended edition, but buy all three. Wait. There's more. What? There's a third? <laughs> Spoilers! Oh. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we will conclude the Middle-Earth saga with the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify. Give us a four- or five-star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow the Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. 
The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>